Blackjack with Griffin and David. Blackjack with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blackjack. A timeless story of strength, secrets, and two warriors who would never podcast. That's the that's the tagline. Yeah, that's a weird tagline, well, right? Who would never what kiss surrender? They would also never podcast. I think it's fair to they say they would never podcast. It would track. That would be a good podcast, though. <laughs> There's one like- scene where you think they're almost going to break into a podcast <laughs> when when they meet in the little shack with the great square window. Yes, uh, and uh-huh. then and then they don't. They're going to yeah. join the Surte Podcast Network. <laughs> right, and 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 Chow Young Fat. I did it. I'm out. <laughs> I'm not topping and that. David is walking out of the studio. <laughs> Sorry, David, wait, right. come you on. You still have another David. It's uh, fine. That's true. All right, all right. Blank right, check right. with Griffin and David. <laughs> there is that scene where, where Chow Yun-Fat realizes it's it's the princess and not the Jade Fox. And, right. And he offers to train her and also asks her who her guys are. <laughs> who are her guys? Who, who are guys? Lock the sword. Uh, hello, everybody. We're going to lock the sword today. Uh, my name's Griffin Newman. David Sims. This is a Blank Check with Griffin and David. We're hashtag the two friends. It's a competitive advantage. We're the only two friends who do a podcast together. True. And what is that podcast? Blank Check with Griffin and David. But what's it about? Filmographies. Directors who have massive success early on in their career and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy, 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 crazy passion projects they want. Like this one. Like this one. It's crazy. Sometimes they crouch. <laughs> Sometimes they hide, baby. <laughs> Yeah. This is a mini series on the films of Ang Lee, and this. The mini series is called Brokepod Mountcast. <laughs> That's it, right? We yes. keep forgetting. We keep forgetting. <laughs> it's something like that. And this is Crouching Podcast Hidden Podcast. Sure. The Crouching, crouching Drag. Crouching, t- crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon episode. Right. Tr- crouching Tiger Hidden Cast. And is this still his most Ben? Ben, ben just shook his finger. Ben, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Uh, is this his highest grossing film? I feel no. like this Life what? of Pi and Hulk all ended up very similar. I think Life numbers. of Pi grossed a fair bit more than this. I'm going to guess that this is his highest grossing adjusted, but I'm not sure if it's highest. Ooh, interesting. Hulk grossed 132. Okay. This grossed 128. Okay. Life of Pi grossed 124. Very similar. But worldwide. No, that's domestic. Oh. Yeah, uh, worldwide, I, I think it's Life of Pi. Wo- worldwide, it's Life definitely of Pi Life of Pi was crazy huge worldwide. It yeah. made six oh nine. Yeah, crazy. This made two thirteen worldwide. Hulk made two forty five worldwide. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, those are Justice weird. League numbers. Yes, that was so. that weird thing though that we discussed. Justice we, League wish it got those numbers. <laughs> it's Justice League in two thousand three who got those numbers to be happy. When we did our Batman Begins episode and we looked at the overseas and like overseas Batman Begins, I'm sorry, Batman Begins did a hundred million. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there, it was just like not until 2007 like, did movies make that much money overseas. It, other than weird examples, there were weird like right, well, even later though. Yeah, it's like you know, Captain America one tanked worldwide. Yeah. Like to think of that now, like a Marvel movie not appealing like to the whole world. Like, well, and they were they did that whole like first Avenger thing to try to like couch it, and, right. and Thor was like viewed as this massive success because of how well it did overseas, right? And it did like fine. It did fine. It did yeah. like what a movie opens in China to now. Right. It did like it. It did then what like I I, I don't know Tomb Raider is going to do now. Yeah, Tomb Raider is huge in China. Yeah. Did you see Tomb Raider? No, I did not. Raids of Tomb. I like it. 
Did you see it? I liked it a lot. I liked it. This I is did hot not off like the presses so for an I was episode gonna, that's coming out in June. So I was going to go see Tomb Raider last week for pre- it was going to a press uh-huh. screening, and Griffin was like, "Ah, fuck." I really want to see Tomb Raider. I, I thought like, it looked like a gentleman six. I had a feeling and it was, was going like, to be a gentleman six. I think it's six. solid. David, I think it's solid. I got a feeling it's solid. I walked out of there. I thought it was close to it solid. It looks like it's aspiring to a gentleman six. You, I agree. You texted me. I said, I, it's I, a gentleman six. Did I? I think I said gentleman's five. It's more of a me, gentleman's five. Let me. me check the text. People have been waiting months for our Tomb Raider takes, despite the fact that you published a Tomb Raider take. I, I did publish one. It's true. And my, my review was like, it's fine. Okay. You said in all caps, it's pretty solid. Pretty solid. Yeah. You didn't give it a gentleman's Then you asked number. about the puzzles, and I said that there were four puzzles, and one of them is good. Okay. So here's the thing. So this is, is why- again? This is why, yes. There's like one puzzle that is- A hundred percent. This is why puzzle. Tomb Raider gets an automatic gentleman's six for me. There's a moment where, as if it's the most obvious thing in the world, Alicia Vikander as Lara Croft is like hitting things on a wall and then goes, oh my God, it's a color puzzle. Yes. Hand me that tombstone. Yeah, she's like, blue and yellow, green. <laughs> like, like literally that's the But just immediately moment. we all know what a color puzzle is. And Damn it's like, right. rotate that hearth wheel. Yeah, right. If she had just been like, I saw this shit in Ocarina of Time, yeah. I would have seen that movie. I would I also, love to see Ocarina of Time with really her. She's, she's great. She's she's the reason really the movie great. is okay is her. It's like a franchise where I could see the second movie being exponentially yeah, better than the first. Yeah, maybe someone else could direct it. Yeah. Mm. And maybe like. Mm. A good director? Maybe like producer Ben. Producer Ben. I thought we weren't doing the names. Poet Laureate, the Hobbs. Mr. Hazard, Mr. Positive. We're thinking about dropping the nickname. We're thinking about dropping the nickname. What do you think, Ehrlich? I'm going to tell you right now, on behalf of the entire community people listen to you, that's a fucking awful idea. Yeah! Uh, also, yeah! also, he uh, just blew out the mic. Uh, eat, drink, Ben Woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I told you to bring that yeah. fire right we to also, the podcast. I mean, my, my B team level one was the wedding banquet, but too subtle, too subtle. Yeah. Um, kind of, I'd go to a wedding banquet. <laughs> I also like, I like it. I like eat Ben drink Hosley. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, in all seriousness, I will torch this place to the fucking ground if wow. you guys stop the uh, the next. So we do consider it. Our guest is David Ehrlich, of course, of of Andy Wire fame. You're a guest and arsonist of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull fame, right? Yes. But I want to say something because David's with us for yeah. the third time, three timers club. Three times club. Last two times you're on the podcast, you had not listened to this podcast. This is true. And then not long after, I was mostly here out of pity. (laughs) (laughs) Not untrue. And And your pity was appreciated, (laughs) noticed, and appreciated. Here's how. Here's here's how I remember it. You, we went to your wedding. You got married. I did last year. Congrats. Humble rag. Yep. We were all there. Humble rags all around. We went. You got married. Right. (laughs) Then you went on a honeymoon with your your beautiful wife to Japan. Uh, so you were and then you were gone for a bit, and then you were back, and I was we, back. We were at a screening baby. of Spider Man Homecoming. Hey. He was back, baby, back, baby. And I saw you in the line for the bathroom, and you said, "Like <laughs> I listened to your ex episode. I can't remember which one. It was funny." And I was like, "Oh, thank you." And then I like walked away, and I was like, "Ehrlich's listening to Blank Check." <laughs> I remember fin- <laughs> we finally got him. See, took I- him two guest appearances. You know, the hardest, the hardest uh, listeners to land are the ones who have been on the show twice. <laughs> exactly. Always the hardest. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, trying I, to get Sonya really badly to listen. <laughs> she definitely will. Uh, maybe she will. I, don't I, know. I have, I have fallen deeply and passionately in love with this podcast. Right. And then since then you um, were coming up to me like, I, I can't believe how rude I was to Ben last time. Oh, no, oh, I was nice. like too dismissive to Ben, but Ben is now, you know, like a you, religious you figure in my life. his importance in the canon. In, yeah. in, in the firmaments. Sure. Uh, and, uh. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I am now honored to be back. I'm deeply resentful of the hosts who are 
outside of this context, good friends of mine who have been here more times than I have. Damn. Wow. Um, I, I have an Arya Stark-like list of who they are, and I will topple them one at a time. By so you're going for that five-timers club. Oh, five? Five? <laughs> or 25? <laughs> You're you're looking to post Baldwin numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I just re- I listen to all the episodes at home and also speak into them at the same time, and uh, it's a little. Uh, you're you're the Rupert yeah. Pumpkin of blank check, apparently. <laughs> um, you will like because because you you got in late. You'll sometimes like very yeah, excitedly you'll be on an old one. Tweet us about a joke or a take from something we said a year and a half ago. You'll hit us with some like speed racer shit or whatever. <laughs> you'll like tweet in response to something else we're talking about and then go like, by the way, your opinion on blank is criminal. <laughs> right. There was uh, uh, there were some hard times listening to the uh, Cameron Crow cast, but I will say now that I've listened to, I think every episode that I care to anyway, mm. uh, wow. that I am honored to be here yes. for, and this is some movie trivia for, for you all and for everyone okay. else who's listening out there. Uh, some, some fun facts. Mm. Uh, up there with Jerry Maguire, Broadcast News, Catch Me If You Can, uh, Crouching Tiger is the best film you guys have ever done. So wow. that's, uh, that's just the truth. I should do that sometime, like rank... The movies we've covered. Oh, and also I've, almost I've famous. Working, fuck you. Yeah, mm, yeah. Thank no. you. Uh, I've been working Gentleman on sips. that list on Letterbox, but I haven't made it public yet. Of trying oh, to rank yeah, all the like, sort of like, mm, Yeah. Mm. Well, I just uh, made your work a little bit easier for so you. So you're saying you're catch me if you can. You mentioned Jerry Maguire. Was there another one? I can't Broadcast remember. news. Broadcast news. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, huh. Well, I mean, we've done like for you. It's like RoboCop. Right. I mean, RoboCop's my you. favorite movie we've covered. There's Under Siege 2. Under Siege 2 is my right. second favorite. Fletch. Um, Fletch, yeah. Clifford. Definitely. Oh, Clifford for uh, sure. Yeah, right. I feel uh, like Broadcast News is probably my number two behind RoboCop. Seems plausible. Is Jerry Maguire your number one? Possibly. Yeah. The Weight of Water. I mean, I like, like, <laughs> Star Wars. It's a good movie. Yeah, I mean, well, hey, don't, not while our looks here. I, I've not listened to the Star Wars guests, but I, I did listen oh, to the last, listen to I listened to the last at Jedi. each other's throats in there. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Ben. Hi. Hi. Poet right. Laureate, Peeper, oh, no. Tiebreaker, <laughs> Birthday Benny, Soaking Wet Benny. He's our finest film critic. He's sure. not Professor Crispy. No. He is the fuck master. Yeah. He's a meat lover. He's a fart detective. True. If you see him on the streets, wish him a hello, Fennel. Graduated certain titles. Such as Producer Ben Kenobi, Kylo Ben, Ben I Chamalan, Ben Say, yeah. Say Ben Anything, dot, 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 Ailey Ben's with the dollar sign, Warhaz, Perdue Bane. Mm. Ben 19, the fennel maker, sure. Robo Haas, uh-huh. Benglish. I don't fucking know. And Mr. Ben Credible. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Who cares? And eat drink Ben Hosley. <laughs> eat drink Ben Hosley. <laughs> so what dark thought would have inspired you guys to consider doing away with the best part of your podcast? Uh, <laughs> here's here's the answer. I it's get a, no enjoyment marathon. out of doing it anymore. <laughs> it's a fucking marathon. I, I find it very stressful. Yeah. Like there's a thing like um, I'm pretty good at memorizing dialogue. But whenever I have speeches that have like specific technical details in them or like names of companies or whatever, there are like scenes in the tick where I'm like trying to put together the mystery and I'm like, but the Armenian lab was blown up four days ago and Dr. Blank and Blank. Right. And I just would always fucking fail to get that, the details right if it's not about like the language and the rhythm of it, but it's about like hitting those specific things. And I have now gotten to the point where having to list off the band nicknames feels like that for me. Well, it'll make you a better actor. I guess. It's good. <laughs> it sort of keeps the show in your mind though. 
Because like when you do his names, you have to remember like all the miniseries we've done. There's that kind of there's that you nice know, there's like element. some history there. Yeah. Right, Listen, right. if it's not like paralyzingly stressful, it's not worth doing. That's the mantra I, mean, my, I live by. My life and it's the is one paralyzingly stressful. You two yeah. are my friends who like anytime I see either of you, and I see both of you often, I'm like, what's up? And you're like, <sighs> I love when Griffin oh, talks about how tired he is on the podcast because oh, yeah. I'm like, yes. Yeah, so yeah. tired. <laughs> and, yet, and yet I'm the one who audibly yawns on this podcast all the time. Okay, you want my impression of us talking? Yeah. I'm going to play you. You're going to do the response that you just did, right? All right. Okay. Hey, buddy, what's up? <sighs> what's wrong with you? Come on. That's a great impression. Right? That's what you always do. Come on. What's wrong? Come, Come on. on. It's great. It's great. That's David's response to everything is just, it's great. I listen to the show on Monday mornings on my commute into work, and I hear how tired Griffin is, and I think to myself, I get it. At least I'm not on the television show. Same, bro. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, no one should make a TV show. We all know this. This is a fact. I can't wait to go into season two, just mere weeks from now. Hopefully, when this comes out, you will be done filming. And if you aren't, then there's been an issue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's put that in writing right now. Yeah, on the record. <laughs> on the record. I should be done filming by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. But that's why we're recording these so far in advance because it's like this is where we're trying to – this is what yeah. we think the bank-up point needs to be exactly. to make it through it filming. It is December 9th, 2000. We have just come yes. from the opening night of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Well, we synced up this miniseries yeah. perfectly well, with the release of a new Ang Lee film. Crouching Tiger came out in Lincoln Plaza Cinemas on December 8th, 2000, and that's I correct. got on a train from Connecticut to New really? York. Saw it, uh, saw it, thought, hmm – Brought, brought four friends or so, uh, went home, went to sleep, woke up, Did got in a train, <laughs> went into New York. Really? Oh, yeah. So why R- R.I.P. Lincoln Plaza Cinemas. Mm. I know. Why were you so pumped to see Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon at the age of, I'm going to guess, around 15, 16? 2000, like yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just turned 16. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was a refined gentleman of taste. Like, I, uh, yeah, were okay. you an Ang Lee fan or was it like you just knew <laughs> oh, yeah. this was... The ice storm really That's moved the needle asking. for me when I was right. uh, 14 years old. Because like, cause I, I also... You joked. The ice storm did really move the needle for me when I was 14 <laughs> the years old. Uh, sure. not far from my house. Yeah, I saw this movie opening weekend in Britain, so I don't know wow, when that was. Probably was. much later. But see, that's that's because weird because <sighs> yeah, and also sorry, Ben. It's I mean, true. I understand that Ehrlich took a train to see the movie, but why would you take a plane you all the way from flew? New York to that Britain? I didn't take Such anything except for the Northern Line. Whoa, I blew up the mic too. <laughs> but how would you even get to the the station? I took the Northern Line, two whole stops to go see it at the Camden Town Odeon. With okay, my but David, I have to slow you down once again. You would have to fly to England in order to even get on. Not if I live there. Whoa, baby. Would you have Wait lived there second. if you had known that Wait a Crouching <laughs> Tiger brain. would have Galaxy come out later? <laughs> Wait, what's that one? Would you have lived there had you known that you would have had to wait, I would imagine, a few months longer to see Crouching Tiger? I mean, Dragon? it wasn't my pick. I, I'll be I'll be honest with you. That's true. I would rather just be in the U.S. of A. When your parents told you you were moving to the U.K., did you go, but when Ang Lee finally makes his Wuxia epic, <laughs> I'm going to have to wait three stinking months. <laughs> now I want to know how long I had to wait. Now I'm looking at uh, it. I just I I don't remember anything about how I came to to movies. Um, I knew I was into like Kira Kurosawa around that time. This was also I, a very hype movie. Yeah, I, I mean, mean if you were, like, I think I just saw because it, it was a hype movie. That was the I thing. don't think I had seen an Ang Lee movie. This was my first Ang Lee movie, unquestionably. Like I, I definitely hadn't seen Ice Storm. Or Ride with the Devil. I was aware of Ride with the Devil, though. Oh, my mom had, like, made me watch Sense and Sensibility when I, I was sick. That I, was one of those, I like, if you want to watch a movie, you I have to remember. watch a classic. You have to watch something that's, like, highbrow. I might have seen Sense and Sensibility. Anyway, it was 5th of January, 2001. I took my friend Josh, who was always a hard sell. 
He never wanted Josh to see any movies. Pants this movie. I'm, yes, for sure. Like he was always like someone I had to really talk into seeing any movie. Took him, and when it was over, he like turned to me, and his eyes were shimmering, and he said, "Thank you for bringing me to this." <laughs> and he loved that movie, and like bought it on DVD and would watch it every week. So I saw it with my dad. So I felt happy about that. Yes, I saw it with my dad. I believe I saw it at the Regal Ewok. I want to say. Okay. So after probably like a month after it had come out when it was like really building a, a head of, uh, of, of steam heading towards that Oscar season, you know, and uh, we both disliked it. Mm. You both disliked it. Yes. Yeah, so you I saw this movie. You were probably pretty young. I was 11, I think. Sure. And my dad and I were both like, what, what's the fucking deal with that thing? Wow. I, I was still pretty. You two sound like bad people. No. We were really bad people. <laughs> and I watched this now and I was looking for like, okay, I can get why I didn't like that at the time. Like I was ready to be able to find a prism through which I could understand what didn't work for me. And I couldn't even really get it. Like why, what my objections were. And I even remember like six months after the fact being kinder to the movie than I was right after seeing it. When you were 11 and a half. Yeah, (laughs) much more mature. But hadn't seen it since then. And in my mind already, vividly remembering it, knew it was a good movie. Wait, so you you didn't see it since then? No. (gasps) But it's crazy. In my mind, I was like, yeah, Crouching Tiger, very good film. (gasps) Like it was like my perfect recall of the movie started playing better in my mind as time passed. Did you like it more this time? Yeah, it's a really fucking good movie. It's an incredible movie. Ben. Some say it's uh, the best movie you guys have ever covered on this podcast. Well, or tied with Broadcast News right, course, and Jerry Maguire. And, Some say. Yeah. Ben, Benjamin. Yes, sir. Did you see this movie? Uh, yeah. Like, did you see it back back when? Yep. I remember seeing the trailer and I was like floating. <laughs> yeah, actually. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I honestly think that's where the movie lost me at the time. I think I was like, as an 11-year-old who was starting to get like fucking hoity-toity about film, I was so literal minded where I was like, but they don't explain why they can fly. Like, I remember that being like a deal breaker for me the first time. They you flew. sound like a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not arguing against that. Why would you need justification right. for floating? Well, it's that, just I, now cool. I watch it and I'm like, why isn't every character floating in every movie? I <laughs> That's remember, a great point. I remember yeah. my dad, I came home and my dad was like, was it good? And I was like, yeah, it was great. And he was like, I hear they just like, fly. they'll be like fighting with yeah. swords. And then one of them will just walk up a fucking wall. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, and he's like that sounds great. I genuinely, I just, literally, he was just like that sounds great. They just walk up the wall. I genuinely had that it's like thought a Jamiroquai though. music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there were, that's like, what he said. That's Angley's chief inspiration. <laughs> every time they just like float a little bit, like they jump a little higher, stay up a little higher, do the wall move, I just be like, why do other movies worry about gravity oh, you know, I know. and right. physics and shit? This is so much cooler. I love. There's not even a scene where they're like, it was great when I learned floating. <laughs> but as an 11 year old, I was like, show me a flashback to flight school. Although right. you know, parsing who can fly and who can is sort of important to appreciating the characters yeah. and the dynamics. That's and true. This brings me back to the very first movie review I ever wrote that set okay. me down this darkest of dark paths okay. uh, for my high school newspaper was about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Some really? bullshit about like the characters believing in themselves and flying. I'm probably going to paraphrase a lot of the shit that I said when I was 16. <laughs> right, still today. In there. Yeah. Yeah. No, the answer is only the characters who have gone clear <laughs> are able to fly. This is a Scientology yes. movie, you guys know. This is a Scientology uh, yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they copped that on the uh, audio commentary. Clear the check. DVD. Yeah. yeah, clear check. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes their seat is clear and sometimes they bounce, baby. Sure. Don't want them to bounce. Uh, all right, so concerts of context, guys. Yeah. Um, Angley mm-hmm. made sense sensibility. Big hit. Big hit. Got and some he was Oscars. Like, what about that, but with flying? 
Well, no, then that's true. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. But before he made that decision, he was like, what if I make like the most depressing movie ever made? Was that going to work for everyone? He releases it, gets good reviews. Everyone hates it. Move the needle to grip. (laughs) No Oscar nominations. Right. It's weird that movie got no nominations. I feel like it was in the running for a few and just sort of like missed the boat. Weaver's fucking It was in the running for Weaver. Uh, Uh, I love that. But even that feels like such a slam dunk screenplay kind of nomination movie. You know, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I love that film, but we've already talked about it this point. Right, Ride with the Devil uh, right, that's a, No, that's a bounce. Such a colossal flop. Huge. So, but he makes this so quickly after that. I wonder if he was always going to do this. It does feel like a bit of a like, let me get back to my shit. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, let that's, me, let me like thing. recenter. Let me like, hit, hit, go back to zero. It doesn't feel like this movie is reactionary, but this, it also feels like no one had the expectations of this movie being an international play. Even like, though it no. required literally every country on the planet to come together to finance right. it. Right. Right. But I think I, mean, I he imagine knew it was gonna come out in America. I don't think he saw it being a hundred million dollar movie. No, yeah. I just think I think he was like, This is one for me, you know? Not sure. that Right for the Devil was one for them, but he's like, Let me just flex some muscles, get back to some different things, you know? Uh as as you say, um Columbia Pictures put in a little money, uh Sony Pictures Classics put in a little money, Good mm-hmm. Machine. They're still around. James Seamus. Hong Kong, China, mm-hmm. Taiwan. Like, yeah, everyone's was, putting the money there in are there. are stories about the uh, how fraught it was trying to get all the pieces in place while they were doing pre-production. Really? Now, like, this movie almost didn't happen even after it had all been laid out. It sounds like a really intense shoot, too. Ang oh, yeah. in interviews is very, like, I didn't sleep for a year, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like, uh, I, uh, we were saying this right before we recorded, but uh, the four main actors in the film... <laughs> did not speak the same language with the same accent. Right. Right. Yes. They do not. Right. Uh, not on camera anyway. Right. But also not, one, one not of them life. is One of them is essentially speaking lines phonetically. Right. One of them, which is, who's Michelle Yeoh. Right. Chaeyoung Fat is speaking with a horrible accent. Yeah. I mean, not a horrible, but like he has a Hong, he's a Hong yeah. Kong actor. He has a Cantonese accent. Zhang uh, Ji speaks Beijing Mandarin, essentially, right. like the, what, what these movies sort of usually require. And Cheng Chen is Taiwanese. I think he has like a Taiwanese accent. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Apparently, it sounds absurd right. if you have an ear for this. And Michelle Yeoh said that she didn't uh, take any jobs for a year because she knew the level of preparation this was going to take physically, but also that she wanted to be able to... Uh, speak Mandarin convincingly, right? Which she didn't have any fluency with, um, and yeah, she did. She did learn it phonetically. She was saying, I mean, they were she's, saying that she doesn't know how to read. She's Malaysian, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mandarin. She they had to spell Malay. it out phonetically for her. Um, it's interesting that he made that move, but I guess they're all huge stars. Yep. Like, or that was probably, Michelle Yeoh and Chow Yun Fat are yeah. huge and stars. And Fat had. I mean, I think in hindsight, it's hard to remember this being the case or, or see it being true, but he had never done a martial arts period film like this before. Right. Well, he was also, a huge action star, right. but not in this Yes, Vegas. he's, of course, your John Woo, you know, uh, action star. Right, but he he's, was more but, of a modern yeah. action star. He but was, also, yeah. I think this movie is like a very, like, it was not even like him making a safe, it was like him reviving a sort of an old, it's like oh, yeah. making a Western or whatever. It was like, oh, you're going to make that? Uh, th- those those can be kind of It was cheesy. like if, yeah. if yeah. somebody made a Western, but it also was implicitly built to and engineered to appeal to a worldwide audience as much as it appealed to an American one. Yeah, right. And it was like, it's so much about the putting this movie together and negotiating with the plot and all the 
various tropes were going to be was about satisfying audiences, you know, around the world, which is a really difficult balancing well, act. And this movie weirdly did worse relatively in the East than it did everywhere else, yeah. right? It was not hugely popular. It was popular. It wasn't like, it's not, you know, it made more money in America than it did overseas. I, I was yeah. doing some Googling and I found articles from the year 2000 yes. where they were like, why isn't Crashing Tiger doing the equivalent China. level right. of business? It is not as beloved yeah. uh, in China as it is uh, everywhere else. Um, I, I think the other reason I had a block with this movie when I was so young is like what you were saying, that it was kind of like, a dead genre at this point to do this sort of like very earnest Wuxia epic. Um, But there was so much like parodying of these types of films in pop culture. And I was such a parody kid that I I couldn't understand how this was more high art than the sort of things that I was seeing parodied. Are we sure about Wuxia? It's like my, my tendency is to like throw a little, Mandarin spit on there and yeah, be like Wusha. Wusha. But I, 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 mean, not, I think you're probably you know, I don't right. know. I'm not I have no, no idea. I'm coming at this from a place of uh, profound yeah. ignorance. So. Well, here we go. I'm just going to Google it. I mean, that's that's the, that's the thing of this. You so know what I'm I, saying? You know how like there was so much just like mocking of like wire work? Well, there's like scary movie this year. Right. <laughs> and there's a lot of Matrix mock, And obviously this has the same action yeah. choreographer as that movie. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, because it was, it, this movie is playing in a in a milieu that is inherent to like King Who movies and Wuxia, right. like the classics, but at the same time, the sensibility that Yun Ping is bringing to it is a lot more modern. It's the same sort of like balletic fight choreography you'd find in like Iron Monkey or something like that from with like the Donnie Yen films, the Jet Li films from right. the 90s. Uh, so it was sort of, it was sort of a lot of things that that audience had seen before put together in a package that no one had ever really seen before. And, and Ang Lee is bringing a greater emotional depth to it. Like, oh, yeah. they're each bringing something to sort of like elevate the the film, the genre to levels that it hadn't really been at before. You want me to, you want me to hit play on this? Oh, Wuxia. yeah. Mm. Wuxia. 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 I, I'm hearing a hard X. I'm hearing Wuxia. an X. I don't know if I trust that random YouTube video that I found. You would trust me more than yeah. some random YouTube video. I, I mean, I'll go with the YouTube I, video. If I, if I can be honest, I'm scanning the studio right now for Jamie Kennedy because I feel like we just got X'd in here. I feel oh, there like we is. just got X'd. There he is. Oh, there he is. Uh, the that old trickster. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so. Do you think it's the first time Jamie Kennedy has ever been mentioned in context with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon or not? No, definitely not. He okay. saw it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you think someone else is like, Jamie saw that, right? Like, I think yeah. like someone at like the low century city 15 in the year 2000 you know was like, yeah, Jamie you know Kennedy came to, came to see, see uh, Crashing Tiger. Crashing Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. Mr. X himself. Right. I thought he was Xing us. He was buying a ticket for Crashing Tiger, was going to sneak into the end of days Wait, instead. Is that Malibu's Most Wanted? <sighs> hey, that this was a pre-Malibu's Most Wanted era. Oh, oh boy! What? Malibu's Most Wanted would never have happened without Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It, it, he was very influenced. Yeah, by it's it. a straight line. Yeah. yeah. Um, so doesn't he, Snoop Dogg play a mouse in that movie? I've seen that movie and I don't remember. I think he plays a mouse or a rat. Do, do, so is that like it starts talking if someone smokes weed? Yeah, probably. And then he sneaks under their hat and pulls their locks of hair. Remember how it <laughs> makes them be offensive? Remember how it. <laughs> Keanu, the cat yeah. talked like Keanu Reeves because it was Keanu Reeves' voice. Right. But like, that didn't work. It was literally him. It though, was right? him. But it sounded like, it like a like, bad impression. Exactly, of him. It felt like the movie being like, check it out. Yeah. And you were like, that's that's Keanu, right? Like, you, you it right. didn't, like, you were just sort of annoyed by it. I don't know. Remember after Keanu came out, everyone was like, yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know, Jordan Peele might not have a career in movies. 
Did you see Keanu, David? No. You're silent. Okay, no. fine. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Anna Ferris is unbelievable in that movie. Yeah, I don't agree. I you hate, don't agree? I hate that part of the movie. I, I think, think that performance lame. is fun. That movie weird. got the most like tepid response out of South by Southwest of all places. <laughs> yeah. And Which I was is like, hard. oh no. <laughs> like there is no no chance. It also just felt like that movie was gonna like work. You were like, oh yes, a hundred percent the yeah, kind of team like should a do great an action idea. movie. Yeah. And then we were, it's called Keanu. Everyone was like, ha! I love it. <laughs> I also what know a guy actor? named Keanu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Crouching Tiger, uh uh-huh. he makes it. Comes out, does great. David just closed the large leather-bound volume. I will say that I I don't know if any other movie, I mean, and all all the ones I can think of are like, you know, brand, spot on brand favorites of mine that announces this quickly that it's a Stone Cold masterpiece and does so against a black screen with music. Uh, so you're you're sold from the opening credits. The, the opening, oh, opening title no, is we are like amazing. Not even the opening credits. I'm talking like fucking the void. Sony Pictures yeah. classic. And then he does here. And I was like fully erect. Uh, was, I mean, to be fair, you were young. Yes. It was easy. A lot of things uh, had that effect on me at the time, but especially this music. Uh, no, but then just the... the yeah. uh, that's what that's saying. I can go shot for shot. We want to do like a 10 hour? Yeah, let's A 10 yeah. hour? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon. First minute. shot, that dude smoking, staring into camera. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> he um, does a lot of interesting, like, uh, and I feel like Ang Lee does this a, a lot in many of his films, but, but very much so in this one. He gets so close to the coverage being POV shots. Like, it's off by like, a couple of degrees, but so often you're really kind of staring the characters head on while they're in conversation with other people. There's some funky eye lines in this movie. Yeah, but it but it works. Like it it somehow I always prefer people who shoot from inside the conversation because it makes it feel more dramatically engrossing, I think, than when you're getting like over the shoulder yeah. shots. Yeah. Um But distance is so critical to this movie, the distance between the various characters. That's the other thing. Uh like they uh, you can tell right from the beginning when uh, Lee Mubai shows up and that woman gets so excited and she runs over to to Michelle Yao and she's like, guess who's here? And yeah. Michelle Yao has to be like, okay, okay. Because <laughs> like everybody knows they're Lock super horny for each other. Right, exactly. But they can't say it to one another. No. But um, they can say things to each other like, you know. Over time. That's like uh, hour right. two stuff. This is one of his great bottled emotion movies, which is like a big running like theme you for say, people who sense, don't know how to express themselves. Like a movie sense about bottled with yeah. a magic sword. That's that's how he pitched it to Michelle Yeoh to get her on board. Was he oh, said, really? "Do you want to do Sense and Sensibility with flying?" <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, why not? But but then it's also like marrying the sense of sort of cultural traditions that he's getting at in his first couple of movies, where it's like these people can't express themselves because it's like unbecoming. There are expectations of how they should be living. But really, it's more about people who just want to fuck. Well, that's the thing. I, but also... They just want to fly and fuck. <laughs> he shows up. There's My favorite whole, thing... Go on. No, I was going to say, there's a whole scene that they cut of Chow Yun-Fat staring into a mirror like Paul Rudd in Wanderlust. Just being like, <laughs> I want to fuck. fuck. Fuck you, And that's the one scene that's all in English? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very bizarre. He's just got the sword in his hand, but he's like holding it between his legs. Yeah, James Seamus and Ang Lee actually didn't talk for two years after he cut that. He's very upset. Um, he shows up. So we're, we're in we're in Beijing. Yeah, right? that's the opening movie. Chow Yun Fat comes in. It rolls into town. He rolls in, and it's like, "Hey, what's up?" And he's like, "You know, I went searching for enlightenment, and I just felt an endless void." 
So that's what's up with me. What's up with you? <laughs> right? Like that isn't that that's like the beginning yeah, yeah. of the movie, right? Yeah. She says that and she's like, he's like, what's up with you? And she's like, works all right. <laughs> yeah, right. right. I don't know. I got the studio. <laughs> right. And then she's like, but you're the best. Can you just power through it? And he's like, eh, I don't really hey, like, I don't care enough anymore. How's the enlightenment thing? Yeah, um I feel surrounded by endless sorrow. Right. Oh. Is that is that enlightenment? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> It's like he reached the end of the road and realized that his feelings for her were the only thing that mattered in his life. Right. He so he's like Clint Eastwood, right? Like he's yeah. like the greatest warrior ever. He's been up to all kinds of shit. This is based on the fourth book in a five book series. Yeah. So there's been like three books, which is like Lee Mubai kicks some magic bear's ass or whatever, right? Like there's been three books but of just it, adventures. It's great that by picking a later book, they like end up prescribing to the like get in late, get out early theory of dramatic storytelling where it's just like, I you don't need to it. see all the other shit. This guy just comes with baggage and he's chally and fat and you believe. And it's I also like, they don't explain anything. You can like just imagine what that guy's been doing. 2000 page word book and like pretty much what James Seamus and the other writers took out of it was like, they're Chinese and they fight. Right, <laughs> like, right. Like that's, just the basic like yeah. dynamics, right? Chally and fat's an and interesting- And they have magic flying power. Sure, yes. Sure. Yeah. Chally and fat's an interesting point here because it's like, okay, huge Hong Kong action star- he and John Woo were one of those pairs where, like, their movies were crossover success, and they were like, let's get those guys to the States. And John Woo's making big American movies at this point to varying degrees of success. Broken Arrow, the biggest American movie. Right. The number one biggest American film of all time. Right. The most expensive movie ever made. Right but, now, he's about, to, he makes Mission Impossible 2 this year. So he's sort of at the height of his right. American So he had gone yeah. Broken Arrow, Face Off. Right. So he was on the right trajectory. Chow Yun Fat wasn't totally working in the States. You forgot Hard Target. Oh, yes, I did one. forget Hard Target. Fucking Van Damme, and then Broken Arrow, then Face Off. But he's moving on a straight, a straight upwards trajectory, right? He's getting move. bigger, the movies are doing better. And not only that, but his aesthetic is actually well known to Western audiences. Right. People know about the fucking doves and the two-handed guns. Jackie Brown has a whole monologue about the killer. It's really funny. I'm saying it's one of those things, like, like Rucker Hauer and Paul Verhoeven, where they were like, let's get both these guys over here. And John Woo was like Salin and Chow Yun-Fat was doing like the replacement killers. The corrupter. Right. And I feel like everyone knew his name because he was one of those guys who overnight was like above the title in a bunch of action movies. And his name was Fat, so people thought it was funny. Chow Yun-Fat. No, he'd be out. So you got the corrupter, which is the James Foley, Chow Yun-Fat, Mark Wahlberg 99 joint. Right. Um, There's the replacement killers, which is, I've seen it. That movie's a lot of fun. Anton Fuqua? Mira Uh, Sorvino, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that movie's kind of rules. Jorgen Prochnow, Michael Rooker. Yeah. Uh, it's just fun. Rooker? Yeah, Rooker's in it. And that? then he was in Anne and the King last year. Right. Which is a little more of a prestige play, right? That's right. Uh, ooh, directed by Andy Tennant. Director of Hitch. Yeah. A director of Ever After. That was his Ever director After. Director of Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and uh, that had been Tenants a Tenants are next miniseries. Yeah, I was going to say, what's yeah. the, the tenant? And after this, he doesn't make a movie for three years. And when he does, it's a bulletproof monk, which is right. one of the like top five worst movies ever made. <laughs> My point is. Like, I'm just, it's just weird that he was just like, forget it. He was such a big star overseas. And yeah. his movies did cross over here to the States that he just like landed as like Chow Yun-Fat is an American leading man. Everyone pay attention. He's going to be your next great Hollywood movie star. And he was like sold that way, and then the three movies didn't really connect. But he had that kind of like name recognition. Sure. Yeah, but sight unseen, you watch the first ten minutes of Crouching Tiger, and you get it. You get like, it. Yeah. Like he rolls up, and you're like, okay. You fucking get it. And this is also him doing something very different than what he's ever done before, as we said. Like because he it is uh, he was a pretty modern star. This is him putting himself into a different time period and a different sort of genre. 
but he's just, the dude's just a fucking badass. So he has Wu Tang powers because he's from the Wudong Mountain School, yeah, right? which is in like every kung fu movie, right? right? You go up to the mountain and you learn your your crazy kung fu powers, right? So he has Wu Tang powers, yeah. He's fought people for a million years, yeah. He's got the weird haircut. He's also got a shiny MacGuffin. Yeah, he has a shiny ass MacGuffin. Green, that is green. You know how and most cool. swords are silver. This Not this one, green. baby. Yeah. He's decided to retire because he felt an endless sorrow. Yeah. Recently. Same reason I'm retiring from film criticism. Yeah, same reason I'm retiring from making TV shows. <laughs> so he's come to Sir Tay's house. Sir Tay played by who? Our father, father who knows best. best. Si Hong Lung from the first three movies Ang Lee made. I love that he just pops back in here. Um, he's going to give him the sword. Then I don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to like walk around? Like what's yeah. Lee Mubai's plan? Oh, he wants to, he wants to move past the void if, uh, you know sure. what I mean? With, with right. Michelle Foles. Yeah, he's going to ask Yo. her on a date. Yeah. He's going to like, they, you, you want to get some noodles sometime? He, I mean, he has essentially spent like, in my mind, it's something like 25 or 30 years yeah. uh, reflecting on his inability to be with her because his like blood brother in arms was engaged to her when he died. Uh, and they, to honor his memory, have always had to be platonic. And then he has sort of reached a point where he's like, oh, this is the only thing that actually matters because everything else is impermanent. And our love, to quote the James Seamus lyrics from the closing the, the closing song, uh, is our across time. Our love is time. like a drug, right? That's our the love, song from the like a drug. end credits here. Our love won't let you down. Yeah, uh, love and, will keep us together. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and so he's asking in like the most repressed possible way, like, wanna fuck. Right. Or, I, but I think, see, I think that was his intention. And then he shows up and is like, I do not have the courage to go through with this. Like, he immediately starts whiffing and biting is, his tongue. So yeah, yeah, he's a nervous Even boy. though he can, like, if someone shoots a sword at him, he can, like, cut the sword up and shoot the sword back at that yeah, person. Dude walks on treetops. <laughs> but, like, 15 like, minutes later, when the movie goes full Jane Austen, and she's like, like Michelle Yao's character is really slow on the uptake to figure yeah. out, like, what Lee Mubai is thinking about because she's been so locked in in this sort of platonic sexless vibe for so long and then he just looks at her and he goes like I didn't know the sword was stolen until I got here and it's like damn like sorry well, I'm cutting ahead a little yeah. bit no but you're like, right though no, uh, I love I love a good repressed love story do you know what I think Chow Young Fat's uh, I do too you know what I think Chow Young Fat's status is in this movie I think he's in like Daniel Day-Lewis retirement mode mm. where it's like you were the best in the world at something. You're suddenly telling us that it's not satisfying to you anymore. You want to get out of it. And he's like, I don't know, cobble shoes. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> like, it feels like if he stayed alive in three years, he probably would have gone like, you know what? I'm going to go back up to that mountain and start fighting people again. <laughs> but hopefully with Michelle Yeoh by his side, like he's just feeling the missing piece. Michelle Yeoh is so fucking good in this movie. I, uh, I always forget how much I like Michelle Yeoh until I'm watching a Michelle Yeoh film. And you're not watching The Lady. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't seen, seen The Lady. That, that, it's really hard to remember how much you like Michelle Yeoh when you're watching her in The Lady. Yeah, well, let's not her hope fault. Not Luke her Besson fault. didn't win March Madness. Um, <laughs> he might have. Yeah, he might have. He, he's kind of curb stomped uh, Aron- Aronofsky. Why do you keep on this? I keep doing it. I don't know why. I know what his name is. Yeah. Aronofsky. It's Aronofsky. Not- I thought you were mad at him for curb stomped, which seemed unnecessarily violent. I dislike everything, David. Just, um, no, but she's one of those actors who is so good at showing you everything she's thinking without like uh, trying to communicate it. Sure. Can I say weird comparison? Uh, but I got it just from watching 
the way that she uses her eyes in these scenes where she's trying to suss Th- out what the thing. She's saying. such a fucking good eye actor. I thought of Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out. Oh, like another yeah. great yeah. eye perform- performance. Yes. performance. Yeah. yeah, I think so. It's it's very subtle eye based work. I mean, and she barely moves a facial right. muscle. This is her most like locked up. Like yeah. this is her at yeah. her. Uh, her peak repressed. And she kind of had a better, I mean, I just remember when the Tomorrow Never Dies came out and it was the first of four consecutive, like, finally a Bond girl who's even tougher than Bond. Sure. Right. Yes. She's the one who fights this time. She rides a motorcycle? Holy cow. Yeah. But she had similarly been someone that Hollywood was trying to, like, make happen. Tomorrow Never Dies is fascinating, though, because she's, like, to him, like, you know, China's run by gangsters. I'm trying to deal with this. And he's like, you want to deal with my dick? And she's like, no, like I'm not interested. She's I'm like, not in a James Bond movie. You're in a Michelle Yeoh film. He's, she's, she's literally like uh, uh, the media is being corrupted by foreign right, influences. Right. We have to fight Rupert You fucking monsters are buying up everything. This is yeah. the most prescient thing that any, any Bond movie could deal with for the next like 25 years. And he's and like, he's you know like, what else is pretty prescient? <laughs> my ding dong. Like, I don't even think they have sex in that movie. They kiss at the end. Yeah. Uh, she's really good. She's though. like less sexualized than most Bond girls, but still he keeps on trying to sexualize her. Right. Like the movie sexualizes her less than that character does. Right. Uh, and what, what else she, she, had she done in Hollywood? Uh, that is, I think, the extent of it. I can really? double check. Uh, she's and nothing else. I just remember that, yeah, like it. her landing big with that movie. Of, of course, but that was only in 97. Well, that's okay. just kind yeah. of, a, yeah. but no, I mean, she had been a 15 year, you know, Hong Kong action star. The queen of martial arts, they call yeah, her. Yeah, she's amazing. There's all, the, you know, you can watch right. clips of her, like she was, she was an incredible physical She, she was the only actress that Jackie Chan would let do her own stunts and in his movie. came to this movie after having debilitating knee surgery. She, it, I think it happened at the very beginning of filming. Right. And she had to keep on flying back to the States mm-hmm. for surgery. And then she'd fly back to set, do dialogue scenes while she was recovering fly back to the States for further surgery. Like, they pushed off That's all of crazy. her action until the very end. You know, she was nominated for a BAFTA. She should have been nominated for an Oscar. A hundred percent. This movie was sort of rudely treated by the Oscars in terms of the performances. performances. They, I feel like they kind of just shrugged their shoulders about it. Yeah. Uh, I think all three actors, like starring actors, should have yeah. been nominated. Uh, I think there was some category confusion, though. Zhi Zhang feels like such a slam dunk supporting actress nomination. Right, but she's kind of the lead. That's the question. Yeah. That's the question. Because the first half of the movie, it definitely feels like it's Michelle Yeoh's film, and then it right. becomes really Zhi Zhang. You know what it is, though? It's uh, <laughs> it's Lady Bird. <laughs> I, was, I was just watching this movie. Thinking yeah, so about Lady you were Bird. watching this movie. Did you see his tweets? Uh, there, there is James a- Seamus <laughs> liked these tweets. What? Edgar Wright liked these tweets. What? There is I'm, sorry, a- I'm sorry, Ben. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm not being louder than usual, but somehow it's I'm burning the mic more than usual. It's quite all right. Just move away from it. <laughs> there is a, uh, you know, I've seen this movie, I think just constantly since uh, it came out on DVD. It's just been on a loop in my in my apartment uh-huh. in mind. Yeah. Um, and so that's more than a few times. And It's like I, the ambient music in your bathroom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, which is usually blank check, but also <laughs> this. Damn and um, I, uh, I listen to it on the pooper when I'm getting fired. Like I'm just really dating this podcast now. Cool. Uh, but they, I, I never really looked at it through this lens until I was just, you know, on ambient and trying to apply ladybird quotes to everything. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that's what you do when you that's take sleeping pills. Right. And uh, I realized that there is a lens. I mean, obviously, there's a, a love story that you don't get in Lady Bird between the adults in the room. But uh, it is a coming-of-age story with Shang-Chi, and she mm-hmm. becomes their surrogate daughter. And the like, sort of the glue that is 
bringing them together, but also the factor that is keeping them apart. Right. But it's also kind of right. What if Sense and Sensibility, Kate Winslet's character, could fly and was a bandit? Sure. It's right. a big hodgepodge. Big, yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of things going on. A little stew. I right. love that right. she's a fucking bandit. She's a bandit. Yeah. She's like, let me learn how to fly. Let me learn how to sword fight. But also, like, I'm going to be a bandit. Ben's throwing his hands up in the air like a televangelist. I'm so excited. I love bandits. <laughs> and now... Do you wish you were a bandit? Yeah. yeah. Like, with, like, a, a well-placed, like, handkerchief. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Of course I want a, a handkerchief over my face. <laughs> now, here's the thing. This is a little non-traditional of a take for me, but I love the fact that she was a dry bandit. Um, Interesting. Because, you know... Because well, it's the wet, wet bandits of Home Alone. Right. I right. almost just stepped on your joke. I was going to cue you up for it. I'm so glad I didn't to let you get that out. But, like, there's there's a, a lot of good wetness in this movie. Yeah, it's oh, a pretty wet movie. For sure. Because there's sex scene in a spa, essentially, mountain yeah. spa. There's a great, great jump into a lake. Loved yeah. It. There's just got? even the way that like Zhang Ji just like gops at the water in the waterfall at the end when she's poisoned. Oh, yeah. yeah. She just like stands under the, the little drip drop and just yeah, like, oh. the, the whole end yeah. sort of That's finale. True. That's going to be a disgusting sort of a sound. Like, yeah. But she's a dry death. bandit. She is a dry I bandit. I mean, she's very dry in general. Like it's a lot yeah. of like, you know, in and out. Right. Like, I do want know, to talk a little bit about sweatiness because I, I mean, we could have this conversation organically as we go through the plot, but you know, I, I think uh, about sweatiness in, in terms of how you guys like to uh, uh, describe movies. Uh-huh. And it's interesting because this is, uh, and the way that this movie is plotted is a lot sweatier than I had ever realized. Uh, but it's all done so elegantly and with and so much so grace. Right, right. That, well. like, you yes. don't even really notice or care. But you're yeah. right. Like, there's a, mo- there's a version of this movie where you're like, wait, there's a flashback now. And then there's another one that just sort of continues that flashback it's like 20 very minutes weirdly later. Because the flashback like, happens like an hour in and then lasts for like 15 minutes. And now there's this part where she just goes to a bar for a while. Like, yeah. what's this bar? <laughs> like, where, she's where's dressed the like bar? A boy <laughs> yeah. and, she doesn't look like a boy. Yeah, everyone buys it and calls her Sir. <laughs> Even after she started talking, there's like a guy whose whole bit is like two bowling balls on sticks. Like that's his weapon. He just <laughs> yeah. picked that. One, one guy brings an abacus <laughs> to the fight. Zia <laughs> uh, Zhang, this was like her second or third movie, right? Yeah, second so movie. She, yeah. I yeah. think it might be third. Let me check. I mean, she had broken out with uh, The Road Home, right? right that, that was, was the her. One. Yeah. Where she's, uh, she's such a cutie pie in that movie. And she was certainly the person they tried to make happen the most after this. Apparently, no, yeah. She was in some TV movie. So this is her yeah. second movie. Okay. Second movie. Uh, she works with two legends of Asian cinema. Uh, and then she gets to follow up then, by working with two more legends. <laughs> Chris Tucker. And Brett Ratner. And Brett Ratner. <laughs> I was so right. hyped for Rush Hour 2. Me too. I, I was so out. in on her, and I was so happy she was in it. I yeah. don't even remember what she does in that movie. Like She kicks some people. Yeah. Do you remember that Rush Hour 2 had like the biggest opening weekend of all time at that time? Uh, no. I didn't it, it was that. where in 2001, Rush Hour 2 opened to $70 million. It's, oh, it's because the guy who allegedly like went on to the, the Chinese billionaire who paid Zhang Ji for- 67, wow. Uh, yeah. There was like, there's some story about how some Chinese billionaire paid Zhang Ji a, a crazy amount of money for a weekend together. I don't know if it's really? true, Jesus. but I feel like before he had realized that that was a possibility for him, he may have just splurged on Rush Hour 2 tickets. <laughs> Rush, Hour, <laughs> Rush Hour 2 is still the fourth biggest opening in August ever. Yeah, it's a crazy Behind big opening. Born Ultimatum, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Suicide Squad. I, I think at the time of its release, it was in the top five opening weekends of all time. But like her being in that was so fucking exciting. It was. Rush, Hour, a bad movie. Rush Hour 1 is good. Rush but, Hour 2 is bad. 
Mm. I don't like. I think Rush Hour One still holds up. I mean, I like Jackie Chan, and I don't even mind Chris Tucker. But Rush Hour is kind of a boring, sweaty cop movie. Okay. Like that's the problem. I like I like Jackie Chan, like when he's like I just have doing a his few stuff. Counterpoints for you. <laughs> Elizabeth Pena rules in it. When does, she's always good. Tom Wilkinson plays the villain. His name is Griffin. That is true. You want to know something, <laughs> and then you can talk, David. I'm sorry. My no, mother no. interviewed Tom Wilkinson many, many, many years ago. Okay, I think for in the bedroom. Did he bring baguettes? No, it was pre-Baguette Wilkinson. Okay. It was for In the Bedroom, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And I remember him saying, she said, like, he said to me, Rush Hour, like, transformed his career. I'm sure. And I was like, really, Rush? He's in that? I, like, yeah. already forgotten. And he said, like, that was it. That was what Hollywood took me seriously after I was in Rush He's Hour. the big bad in Rush Hour, but I had forgotten it was him. Like, I didn't remember him right. from that when he then broke out after that. And then I saw Rush Hour on TBS in, like, 2010. I was like, oh, Tom Wilkinson was the villain in this? David. No, no uh, rush hour. You don't get Michael Clayton. You don't That's get uh, the sweatiest performance of all time. Oh, <laughs> um, and the spaghettiest performance of but, all time. Wow, oh, does it hurt my heart on a podcast dedicated to one of the great films to be talking about Brett Ratner. All right. Uh, back to you. <laughs> right. Not to tell you guys how to do your job, but no, I, I can't. What? No, I was going to say that I can't, whenever I think about the first 20 minutes of this movie and how they're organized and how they build up to like a, a fight scene that changed me at a genetic level, uh-huh. I, it always makes me feel, and this is not a good feeling, like Harry Knowles reviewing Blade Ugh, 2. God, don't involve that. <laughs> uh, if you mention that review two more times, he shows up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, this is really the only uh, mention I had built into into my right, notes. Right. But I mean, just the way that, that's all I need to say about that. For I think anyone who knows. I don't know. Do we need to bring more people Harry into the fold? Knowles just Google Harry Knowles Blade 2 Blade if you two want review. to feel really Do you know this, Ben? No. I'm going to put this as delicately he, he, he as He compares he, the he, film. He says that... that that watching the film. The movie is like watching Guillermo del Toro perform Cunnilingus. But he doesn't just say that. He devotes right. like four paragraphs to, to describing like the, the act of the moves. The I just had a passing thought watching it. I was Knowles like, if I were if I were Harry Knowles, that would be the review I wrote for this movie. But fortunately for all of us, I'm not. Yes. Uh, but the first 20 minutes of this movie, right. uh, now that I've put the worst possible context to introduce right. them, yeah. are organized so unusually, but also so expertly. There's no action. It's a lot of convos. Can I just say one last thing about Rush Hour 2? <laughs> Is it going to be in reference to the bit in the closing credits where a stuntman falls off a building and Jackie and Chris Tucker goes, oh, he's not going to be in Rush Hour 3 because that's one of the great lines in all it the movies. It's really good. It's 15 million comedy points. Yeah, um, he got 20 million dollar points yeah. for the third movie. <laughs> Someday we'll just talk about, we'll do a whole episode about Chris Tucker's salary increases, which is insane. Um, Go on, 20 million dollar points is funny. Zizhang, yeah, it was really funny. Thank one you. comedy point. Uh, Zizhang didn't speak a word of English when she did Rush Hour 2. Yeah. So uh, Jackie Chan translated everything for her. So Zizhang probably had the best experience of anyone who ever worked on a Brett Ratner movie because she never had to talk to Brett Ratner. <laughs> right. It all went through the nicest man in Jackie show Chan. business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. All right. You're right. Talk about the opening. It's all combos. It's like 15. <laughs> uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Tandon is wilding out. <laughs> Tanzo just going crazy. Yo-Yo Ma is sitting there yeah, throwing him, like throwing him layups. Yeah, the audience exactly. is like, <laughs> the listener at home, I'm dancing like I'm at a club. There should have been a remix. There yeah. should have been like a club remix. Yeah, there should be a Tanzo. Isn't that what the Shane remix is? Yeah. But no, it's real deliberate. I think that if you are 16-year-old me hyped for some of the best 
choreographed action scene right, right, yeah, of all yeah. time. You're like, what the fuck have I stumbled into? Right. Sure. And they just build it up and suddenly you get bow, bow, and they cut to the nighttime and you see a little bit of wisp of cloth go across <laughs> the the top of the screen. Uh-huh. And uh, suddenly we are in what to my mind is is like maybe the most beautifully choreographed uh, fight scene I've ever seen. This is the first night fight sequence. Yeah, but every fight sequence like it may not even so be the good. best fight scene. It in might the movie. not even be the best yeah, one in the no. movie. All right, so yeah, so we got Lima Bai, famous warrior, kind of chilling out, looking to retire. You got Shulian, somewhat semi-famous warrior. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's like a B-list famous warrior, right? Yeah, I think you know, in the in the whole sort of misogynistically organized society exactly. they live in, she's she never most, got to climb the ladder all the way, and she's yeah. mostly known for being the object right. of his affection. Right. right, right. She's like his pal. We've got the introduction of the princess because they see her, they walk in on her, coveting that sword. You mean Jade? Jade? I mean, no, not Jade. Jen. Uh, Jen. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. And right. then, yeah, she's there, but she's just like right, like. A, a an aristocrat. A little breakfast at Tiffany's moment Who just staring at that sword and being like, I want it. tells yeah. Michelle Yeoh kind of how like much she wishes that she yeah, could she, have Michelle Yeoh's life. Right, it's so a lot like, oh, he went on all these adventures. All those it's books so I exciting. Read, and, and she's and like, oh, it's just books. Julianne's just like, oh, you know, it's yeah. not that exciting. I mean, you know, I can fly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not, I, mean, sure. I can fly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Jade Fox is there. Who is also the handmaiden, you know, to Jen. Yes. She's there. Yeah. I remember, I think it took me a movie to put that together. The same here. Yeah. Uh, so, she, and she's there. Yeah. She's like a hated, a sworn enemy. A she killed. famous thief and murderer. And she's a poisoner. She's yes. killed she's everyone like, who the plot needs to have been disposed been dead, of in the right. past. Yes. Like if anyone's ever died in this part of China, it's because she killed them. Right. Because right. then we also have this detective who's rolled into town with his Very daughter. Very sweaty. Very sweaty. The detective <laughs> is sweaty. Yeah. Love all those characters. <laughs> Very sweaty. The detective and his daughter who are posing as actors. That line has been confusing yes. me for like 18 years. They, like why they say it. street performers right, because like, they think that they're trying to steal the sword. They're like, no, we were rehearsing our routine. Yeah, and it's like, well, hello, my night. baby. <laughs> <laughs> what routine is this? <laughs> they paint each other silver and pretend to be robots. Now, this movie is subtitled. Ang Lee wrote the subtitles because okay. he wanted the subtitles to be clear and to like convey plot. And I watched this with my girlfriend who speaks Mandarin and she was like laughing all the time. Not like she didn't think they were risible. She was just like, I can't believe that the that's what that became. Right? Like, and it, it's always like, it's some idiom that just makes no sense. Well, I the guess. movie like, is yeah. so cognizant about speaking to those audiences. Yes. That we talked to, I mean, it is. they, this was James Seamus writing with two Chinese writers, right. you know, Ang Lee trying to meld his new audience that he'd gained in the U S with, you know, the old, I mean, this is not an explicitly Taiwanese film, but those are the movies he grew up with. Yes. Um, and trying to bring both audiences to the table. Uh, and so I think that, that does boil down all the way to the subtitles. But I'm so curious as to what that writing process was like, too, with Seamus. Like, was he writing stuff that they were sort of converting? Was he sort well, of it, speaking and they were typing right, it out in a I'm different language? I'm confused because he wrote all the three earlier Taiwanese films, too. So right. I, you you know James, right? You guys are pals. Uh, Jimmy? We're best friends. Jimmy Jimmy, yes. Yeah. Uh, he and I are blood brothers. And uh, I peed next to him once. It was pretty fantastic. Wow. How's that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ehrlich? Ehrlich. Ehrlich, I must ask. You got a peek of the pain? 
Oh, <laughs> you gonna oh, pick that shameless thing? I, I did not get a burger report. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> James Shameless, I'm afraid to say. More like a hot dog report, report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is what we're asking for. Uh, I did not. I also, uh, no, good, good guy. Uh, interviewed him for Indignation, which is a movie that he made and I loved. Great movie. Um, and uh, I have no more insights to offer about what the writing process yeah, is. Yeah, I don't like. know how it works. I met James Shameless at a cocktail party and I. I said, uh, when, when are you going to cut it with the popcorn fair, like indignation, and do something <laughs> with some real death? He must have laughed. <laughs> he did. Seamus is good he for He gave a me a comedy point. Yeah. He's good on Twitter, too. Yeah. He's kind of fun on Twitter. He also told me I was right about Hulk. I know. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about that on the Hulk episode. Yes. By the way, James Seamus is going to be the guest on every episode we have for the rest of this miniseries. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. If only you I'm going to ask him about Tony Bones' balls. Ooh. Less caution. More like balls caution. <laughs> I wonder if James Seamus made the cut to be in the room during those during the ball scenes, sex scenes. Yeah, it was a very tight list. And I don't know if, if Seamus. Yeah, he, Seamus might, he, he might have insisted. I don't know. Maybe it was in his writer. <laughs> Boy, I don't know if that's what they mean by inclusion writers. <laughs> Wait a second. I just got an email. Uh, James Seamus has uh, dropped out of <laughs> oh, the oh, next no. six episodes. I told you it was a mistake to, to loop him in live <laughs> yes. to uh, this episode. Um, yeah, but we've been doing it for three years. And he didn't have a problem until now. Well, weird. Yeah, right. yeah, he's been in from the beginning he was like star wars prequels <laughs> look i just want to say one thing yeah go ahead we transfer make sharing big files easier than i don't know storming a castle to get the final key no sign-ins no avatars no offer codes no password to forget no cost you just upload the file you send it and you get back to making whatever it is you make such as solid gold podcasts i thought we were gonna do a bit where we went back and forth and i would list a real thing and you'd list a ready player once i know but then i just sort of like got hooked by what we transfer actually does here's the thing we transfer is all about making the creative process easier for everyone everyone they built their site to be the simplest way to share big files around the world for free um you know i've i've used other file sharing things in the past and you gotta log in and you gotta like you know, attach an email account or something. Get out of here with all that stuff. There's you gotta no download sign an in. app. Nope. No offer codes. No password to forget. Just upload. Send. Get back to making what you make. So you like making that sweet love. Forty million people use it every month to send and receive files. They devote thirty percent of their thirty percent of their ad space to showcasing creative people from around the world. It's like people like you know musicians, photographers, or podcasters. Yeah, you know. So in that spirit, we're skipping the rest of the sixty second ad and getting right back into the podcast. WeTransfer.com. You make WeTransfer. Can we talk about that fight scene? Yes. What a fight scene. Uh, the Ben's fight angry. scene's incredible. Sorry, up the mic again. How does the fight scene play out? You've got Jade Fox, who's got uh, poison well, darts and stuff. Oh, no, yeah. she's not super relevant oh, yeah, She's not in the first fight scene. Right. No, yeah, no, no. It's all, it's all they think sword thievery. They, they think, think it's her. Think what, what you have are two actresses who have spent a year of their lives preparing to dance with weapons in incredibly close quarters. How do they do this shit? It's insane. But like when you watch an American movie right. and, you know, especially after watching something like this and are just a gobsmacked at how awful the action right. is, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's because you just don't have the talent required to pull it off. Stunt or the doubles time. can't do well, Or the time. Time's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, you know, Zhang Ji was, I don't know if, if Hurl for dancing training was, you know, in mind of eventually having this career, but Michelle Yao would certainly. Right. Because like in that, in that industry, this is as important a skill set as anything else that you might bring to the table for a film. It's like the old Hollywood system where it's like you had to learn how to tap dance, you had to learn how to sing. Right. Like yeah, you, yeah. If you right, wanted to right. be an actor, you had to know the couple of things. No, yeah, the length, fencing, you know? <laughs> the length of the takes 
for these the action it's, sequences. I mean, that's are, what pushes the movie over the edge. It's yeah. just completely. I just don't understand and how Yoon it's really Ping possible. And had time too. I mean, he yeah. right. you know, choreographing it had a time that he had never really had before, and so he like busted out the big guns, all like the kicks that he had been holding in his back pocket yeah. for all those years. It was like, oh, the thing where where we do like a top down shot, and you're jumping and kicking, and she's jumping and kicking, and then you're both jumping and kicking. Like this is the one. Well, as it's as you crazy. said, Zhu Zhang had no martial arts background, only a dance background, and she just approached all of this like a dance routine. Like, that's how she learned it, which works really well because it is so much about, like, the grace of the movements and everything. Um, what we're talking about with, like, the, the time and uh, energy that is not usually given to this sort of choreography, especially more and more as things become action and fight-based, but the actual quality of those fights is prioritized less and less. Mm. I read some interview with the fucking Iron Fist where they were asking him about like how much time. The worst choreographed martial arts thing I've ever seen. Right. And they asked him like, so how much like uh, rehearsal did you have to do like uh, choreography? And he was like, they pretty much like on the morning when I got to set, they'd show me what the fight was. And I had like 30 minutes to learn. Yeah. And it's just like, so you hired a guy who doesn't have a martial arts background and then would just come up with something on the day. It's almost like TV is stupid. Yeah. The only guys. TV is for losers. (laughs) The only guys who are who are thinking about this with that level of depth, at least in the Western world, are the guys who are doing John Wick, yeah, John Wick 2, Atomic Blonde. That Their whole company is, is based around the action. Built and it up they, also, there. I mean, Walt Becker. The choreography well, yeah, of, course, of his yeah. nut shots yeah. is really... I thought that that was understood. I didn't realize yeah, I had to explicitly... That's the, you can tell that's that... just like saying the sky is blue. Right? Any, yeah. any cast member of a Walt Becker film has to spend a year <laughs> training to get properly hit in the nuts. This is why Shaq retired a few years earlier than <laughs> he might have otherwise, because he had to prepare for Grown Ups too. That's a Walt Becker joke, no! right? No! <gasps> you think it Dennis Dugan. Oh, fuck. That's a Dugan. Um, How could I ever confuse <laughs> I know how dare you. Um, yeah, the uh, Chad Stahelski, David Leach school. I yes. like that because, right, again, they 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 want you to see the whole stunt. Yeah. Like this, they want yeah. to see the whole fight. Like, but like I, what I like about John Wick and shit, where they're like, we want you to get that, like a guy just got and hit by a car. Right, like, Chad Stahelski, yeah. Keanu Reeves stunt double on The Matrix, where he met yeah. Yoon Woo Pig. I know. Yeah, the other guy I like a lot, who we've talked about in the past, is uh, Himes. Uh, his son, who does the Universal Soldier directed video movies. Right, which I've never seen. I know and, you've, and you've, you've, uh, he sang choreographs and shoots action in a very similar way, which is even more astounding because he's working on crazy, limited Tiny budgets, budgets yeah. and schedules. Because <laughs> he has action choreography, but not a screenplay. Right. right. But he hires a lot of like MMA fighters for like primary roles in the movie because he's like, I want to be able to do a long take of But this. the grace of the fighting in this scene and or in this film as a whole is especially meaningful because these fight scenes are with one exception, not about violence. Right. They are about self-expression. Right. Uh, they, Which and, is and where this, the yeah. dance thing, like, pays off. But but also, he does such a good job of, like, building this sort of language of, of the flying, where the first couple times, it's just like, huh, they jumped and they stayed in the air a little too long. <laughs> it sure. still looks a it's little, a little magical. There right. are a few shots in this first light scene where they're like, they're like paddling their legs Which over houses and they miss, that. they miss like Michelle Yeoh misses. Like the yeah, 11 year old Griffin was laughing <laughs> and like 29 year old Griffin was crying. Yes, I agree. I love that. I, I know what you mean though. Right. It's not like clean. Right. In some ways. Cause there are people pulling fucking strings. But, but right. they did pointedly like put a lot of time and energy into CGIing out the wires, which like the oh, sort yeah. of schlockier versions of these movies, the joke was that you could always see the wires. Right. And in this, there's something magical about the fact that even though the movements, the motions clearly look like wire pulls, there's nothing sort of propelling. You, you got Tan Dunn going like, dun, 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 dun. damn right. Dun, 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 dun. It's wild and out. And cool. people in the club are like, <laughs> 
Oh man, this um, scene. It was I was over. It was game over. So for you're me just after you're just scene. sold. You got Inspector Sai, everyone's favorite character. Yeah, he's always fucking up. Yeah, <laughs> he's such an idiot. Yeah, he's such a bum. This yeah. guy. He's such a crumb bum. Yeah, he always has to ask one more thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's like uh, a poor police investigator. Yeah. I don't know who is he. He's the Columbo of Wuxia, <laughs> but he's like shitty. <laughs> yeah, he's bad. Uh, like who's a shitty Columbo? He's like Kojak. Kojak's okay. All right. Disrespect to my man Kojak. Rosewood, maybe? Uh, you talking about Morris Chestnut? No, old Rosewood. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Rizzoli and Isles. Hey, hey. just like one of them. Hey, those are fine. Because they're fine together, but like Isles, like it's like Samson without the hair. Were like, they detectives? I thought they were lawyers. I don't know. Or was that Rizzoli Franklin and Bash? Franklin and Bash are lawyers. Rizzoli and Isles are detectives. I they think. are? Yeah, I think so. Are we looking up? <laughs> We all knew this episode was going to come to a point where we'd have to pause to Google Rizzoli and Isles. Yeah, the Wi-Fi went out. We're that's never going to find out. That's the one that Kamel was on, right? Kamel was on Franklin and Bash. Oh, fuck. So who was on Rizzoli and Isles? Fucking uh, Angie Harmon and uh, the other one, Sasha Alexander. Who was their nerd? Who was their fucking computer know, jockey? Something or other. The Wi-Fi went down. Jeez. Ben. Ben. We're flying blind. Ben. Turn it on. Turn it on, Ben. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'll unplug the router. <laughs> Oh boy! All right, so that's the big fight. What happens in this big fight? The sword is stolen. Oh yeah, yeah. Green destiny, baby. It's so cool. You're right about the fights being. I, I, you never <laughs> feel a lot of danger in the fights, which is why it's a, what what happened. Uh, I just googled bones. <laughs> I was trying to look up the show, uh, and I realized that's a very ridiculous search. Just, just bones. <laughs> <laughs> you just got a lot of bones. <laughs> Anyway, I'm just realizing this is a hard movie to describe because yes. so much of what you're trying to describe is like mind-boggling physical interaction. Right. There, so they, they, she's still sword, and then everyone's plans are sort of put on hold. Like Lima Bai can no longer retire, even though he's trying to get rid of the sword. And yes. Shaolin uh, Shulian has a new Shulian. job. And Jen is just like hanging out there and immediately is the one and only suspect. Yeah, right, right, uh, and, right. They, and then Jen's cor- gives her calligraphy, gives herself. I mean, the calligraphy scene is uh, art. This is is beautiful. But they also She said she spent as much time practicing the calligraphy as she did the sword fight. I'm sure. But they also, uh, they make a wanted sign for the Jade Fox, who they suspect stole a sign. And Mm -hmm. it's it's funny hearing James Seamus uh, sort of like slap his forehead about this on the commentary. But it's still supposed to be a mystery who Jade Fox is at that point in the sure, movie. Right. And the wanted sign is just like a perfect so illustration. Exactly. <laughs> Great picture of her. Yeah. Right, because it's, like, it's supposed to be plausible that that this young-ish bandit right. with like creamy like right. uh, porcelain skin. It's like a headshot of the older actress. It's right. just like, here, yeah, here <laughs> right. she is. Right, in Are, ink. Aren't they even surprised at the beginning some characters to hear that Jade Fox is a woman? Yes. Like they just assumed it was a man and now suddenly it's a very specific woman who we all know. <laughs> um, but, so, yeah. but yes, Jen is trying to like get away from her life. This marriage she doesn't want, this sort of life of aristocracy she has no interest in. She wants to be like the characters in the books that she grew up reading. And she's who were, you know, there's some of them were of the Shu Yen vein, but right. I think a lot of them were probably men. I mean, she's yes. realizing now that she's being forced into this marriage with Governor Yu or whoever the fuck no, she's married. Um, no, not Governor it's Yu. The, she hates the name. I can't remember the name. Uh, yeah. Gao? Gao. Yeah. I think it's that. Who was yeah. eventually played by like the first AD <laughs> in like one long shot. Yeah. Um, is uh, like she's realizing the burden of being a woman in right. that particular society but, and all that it pretends. But so like the idea is that the Jade Fox while on the run was like, let me just like hide out, get the, a very simple, quiet handmaiden job. And then suddenly was like the one person that Jen had access to who could train her. 
Yeah. Which was just like she became a disciple. She became a, a bandit because that was like the only path she had to. Yeah, she's bitter a as hell. Ass. She wanted yeah. to be a Wudan fighter, and she went there, and right. they were you know the teacher was willing to have sex with her, but not willing to teach her. Yeah, and uh, so she was understandably bitter and wanted to pass that along. Yeah, Lee Thompson Young is the nerd in Rizzoli and Isles. Oh, Lorraine Bracco and Bruce McGill are also in it though. Lee Thompson Young killed himself. Did he? I'm so sorry, Famous Lee Jeff Thompson Jackson? Young. Well, I'm glad my uh, Harry Knowles reference was not the most depressing detour this podcast right. has made. Wow, that's sad. Because there was, a, I remember reading the story about him not showing up to set. Mm, that's sad. Yeah. I'm sorry. He was Lee the Thompson famous Joe Jackson, right? Yes, he was. Yes, I saw him on the subway once. He looked really sad. <laughs> Thanks for that. I was like, why is Joe Jackson so sad? Um, yeah, the famous Joe Jackson. Yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they, didn't, they didn't there are a lot before the second fight scene. There are a lot of conversations that I think harken back to the kind of King Who movies that in the classical Kung Fu things that we're expecting. They're Give talking a lot about the various elemental rules mm-hmm. and the philosophy of everything. Right. They're saying like a sword by itself rules nothing. It comes alive only through skillful manipulation. And they're talking in very veiled terms about their feelings for one another and <laughs> sussing each other out. There's, There's a that lot conversation of that. Where, where Jen is like coveting the sword and Michelle Yeoh is like, it's a lot less pretty when it's covered in blood. You yeah. know? And he and then he like Lima Bai talks about like how it only looks good because it's easily washable, essentially. Yeah. Like the blood comes off real smooth. Yeah. But uh and yeah. it's like made out of uh vibranium. It's made it out of vibranium. Cuts through other fucking swords. Um it's also just right. Jen is obsessed with this sword because she I guess she just thinks it's like her salvation, right? Yeah. Getting the sword. She doesn't get that she's already done. She thinks it's a trump card. Like if I have yeah. this, they can't they question can't beat me. me. Right. right. Whereas I mean, that scene where he kicks God, her ass with a stick is so good. But I also yeah. love that Jen worships Shu Yen. Yeah. Right. And like that first fight scene is between the two of them. And Shu Yen doesn't know who she's fighting, but Jen does. And she's right. like, holy shit, I'm in one of those stories that right. I've dreamed of my whole life. Right. Um, very last action hero. Yeah. So they Which fight. Very Jack Slater 3. So there's that initial <laughs> fight that's just uh, uh, Jen and Shu Yen, right? The stealing of the sword. The stealing of the sword. Then, But, but she also, uh, she fucking... Uh, the, the detective gets killed, right? Well, that's, no, that's, 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 that's the second fight. That's the second fight. We do get a quick look at Cheng Chen, though, who ends the fight with a blow dart and then yeah. like just like slinks back right. into the darkness and you're like, huh, Who's that's that? odd. Huh. <laughs> Guess we'll, Guess <laughs> we'll revisit that. that. Yeah. Uh, right, because she catches it, mm-hmm. yeah. which is cool. Dark cloud. Uh, dark cloud. But anyway, so then, yeah, there is a little bit of like, oh, you guys are actors? Well, actually, I'm a cop from the mountains seeking yeah. the avenge. So what kind of stuff have you been in? Have I seen you in anything? Rush out. You and Tag. <laughs> yeah. uh, so those guys get introduced. They're cannon fodder, right? Yeah. They're they're blow dart fodder. But mm. two of them fuck. Uh, You're right. <laughs> okay, yes. Totally off oh, screen. Yeah. But yeah, uh, dumbass Inspector Sai yeah. and the daughter, uh, May. Forged in the heat of battle. After the death of her father. Yes. He's yeah. like standing watch outside her house. Yeah. He's being nice. And she's like, just... Come on in. Yeah. You know? yeah. Just, why don't you come inside and it's a little bit warmer. In here. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Let's, let's, no one's dead in here. Right. No one's, no one's got a thing in their, their head in here. <laughs> yeah. The, but yeah. So it's that second fight, which also rules I in love like that, the courtyard. I love that yeah. Detective Sai looks like Dollar Store Chow Young Fat too. <laughs> he does. Like he's styled the same way. He's just got like a shittier black robe. But can someone explain to me, and this is something that has eluded me for 18 years now, mm. why 
he is tied to the rock when he like runs out into the courtyard no and idea. he just like pulled back. Jo- Joanna asked this question too. I, I don't know. It's like, I think he has like a grappling hook and he used it wrong or right. something. Like there's some, I think he's got some cool Batman thing he just doesn't know how to use. It <laughs> fires on him. It totally flies over my head like, how, it's like how, we're missing a shot exactly where he, like, like when that's it introduced yeah. right so so is is joanna fluent yeah and she was saying like a lot of the sort of line readings the accent clash what she said was yeah. essentially and of course you know she's still a white lady but she does you know she lived in china for many years she speaks mandarin it's like she's like it's not that bad michelle yo on her own sure. she's just talking but then once she's talking to someone else, it does stick out like a sword. It's the thumb. fact that everyone's doing a different thing. Um, right? right. I mean, that's the real thing. She, and she said with Chai Fat, she's not as good at like detecting accents. Sure. Yes. Like he's like, he sounds different. Cause he himself says that his, his accent's terrible in this movie. Right. And he he's also like said like he'd never had to do so many takes over the language before. Right. Like probably because he mostly had to do lots of takes over stunt work or whatever. I, before. I'm just yeah. fascinated by the fact that like weirdly somehow I think the, the seeming authenticity of this movie became its greatest asset, that it didn't feel like a westernized version of a Wuxia epic, that it was like a heightened sort of uh, more intellectual version, more emotional version of it. But like that Eastern audiences saw it and they were like, oh, the accents all clash. But the fact that like we dumb Americans don't know what they're saying makes it feel like it has more integrity and weight to it, you know? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I'm not I mean, backhanding this, the movie. No, I mean, I this just is think, always how it how it goes. Right. There are movies that have done phenomenally well overseas that we would dismiss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think I think like the artist was kind of viewed that way when it started doing so well here. Yeah, the French people were like, France we made this like, as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy who made our Austin Powers analog. Um yeah. Uh it, it's just like, well, I obviously there are so many historical films that take place in different countries where everyone just speaks English. And I imagine that in China, that's how this movie played, you know? Like, it was like, why are all these German people in World War II speaking that, English with British accents? It's funny that Jiangxi was then in Memoirs of a Geisha, which has an even worse problem. I know. Oi. Right. Oi. Oi. I mean, obviously, way worse. Yeah. Uh, Do you know that most of that movie was shot in San Francisco? Uh, no. I didn't know that. <laughs> I can tell because that movie was again hyphy. Uh, yeah, that's usually how I, uh, I bring that up at parties. Negative five comedy points. Ben gave me a thumbs up. That's yeah. all I need. Uh, completely over my head. Um, Some, someday, someday. <laughs> I'm going to listen will, back to this episode. Yeah, and I will not I can... take up real estate explaining this. Um, yeah, please don't. So, Sword is Stolen. Sword is Stolen. Uh, cop gets a spinny thing in the spinny face. Spinny blade yeah. to the face. I do. I just love how everyone in this movie has just gone all in on X weapon. Yeah, except no, yeah. for the main characters. And Chow Yun Fat does this thing with the Green Destiny, where he like I shakes it, it like a snake. Up. Oh uh, my god! And you're like 35 minutes into the movie, and you haven't seen him fight. And the right. entire and first 35 minutes of the movie are people talking about how good he is at fighting. Yeah. And then he shows up, and it takes like three moves, and you're like, oh shit, that guy is good at fighting. You know what? My the ballest move he has in this movie is when uh, who is it? The Jade Fox does the like yeah. five point thing to paralyze him, and Chow Yun Fat's like, don't worry, I know the reverse code. <laughs> Like, he hits him like he's a fucking keypad, and he's, like, unparalyzed. I mean, the movie is really unashamed at playing into these cliches and yeah. sort of, like, you know, uh, giving them new life. Yes. Because uh, there's no one, like, James Seamus, Ang Lee, they all are celebrating how much of an unrealistic cliche this is, how it's built into a lot of the movies that, to which they're paying homage. And uh, they just own it. They're like, we can throw it into this, this like, you know, prestige picture that's cost 
however much it costs. Twenty million. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's actually not that expensive, but I guess relative to the other movies, it's a lot of money for about, this yeah. kind of movie. Um, and they're like, but we're just going to own it with a straight face. What, what? He's all stillness. What's your favorite yeah. weapon in the movie? I, I throw to the table because well, I have a clear cut answer. There's a lot of weapons in this movie. Can I tell you what mine is? Yes. Michelle Yeoh's weird candy cane claw oh, sort yeah. of things. Those, those are so oh, yeah. cool. The I mean, that's fucking such a, coolest. That, that whole fight. I also like it when that's she just gets a curtain rod yep. and starts wailing yep. on her with yep. like a golden curtain rod. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that. But no, I feel like there's another obvious one. I mean, I like bowling ball guy. Like yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. who's got dumbbells like broken in half. Yeah. Just because, like, that's he has the to restaurant carry, scene. Yeah, he yeah, has to, like, yeah, carry yeah. them everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Yao's staff that, like, bends in that same yeah. fight oh, scene yeah. with the red feather on the top yes. is pretty badass. Yeah. Um, also, Spinning as blade things are Sims cool. mentioned, Chow Yun Fat's stick. Yeah, the stick scene's great. Yeah. Chow Yun Fat's dick? I didn't see him take it out. <laughs> I mean, in the he, he's just swatting her with it. It's, I know. Uh, uh, he's, it's he's, good. he's teaching her a great lesson. Yeah. Uh, which is that all you need to stick, yeah. I guess. Yeah. All you need to all stick. Right, so she's Remember got the this, scene where he no, sings that. Uh, Jade Fox shows up in this yes. battle and she sees her stooge, her apprentice, mm-hmm. doing wild shit. Yeah. You see it on Jade's face. By the way, this actress is wonderful, Chang Pei Pei. Yeah, had never played a villain before and that, she's like pure evil here. She's yeah. and, and But also like, you're so on her side. Yeah. She got so fucked over. Oh, yeah. He's blowing up my spot here. I told you to lay low. And like, right. But then, you know, and like immediately Limu buys hitting her with the like, you whore, you slept with my master or like, or whatever. Yeah, you know, he's right. like, you, you infiltrated. He, right. He puts it a little more delicately. Like he's yeah. like, you infiltrated the Wudang school or whatever. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I was sleeping with your guy until he kicked me to the curb. He wouldn't teach me the secrets. Yeah, he puts it delicately. He calls her a trollop instead of a whore. <laughs> I love when later in the movie, Jen refers to the Wudang school as a whorehouse. And it's like, you've been listening to that woman for way too long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. It's true. She does. She is a little yeah parody. Um, mm-hmm. But. I just I, I feel for Jade Fox. I did too. I feel like she got fucked over Victim by the circumstance. Rules. She, and that yeah. that scene a little later where Limu Bai is doing his classic thing where he just stands in the middle of a room, not moving, one arm behind his back, right, while he has a conversation, and yeah. she, he's like, "Yeah, maybe we should have her join the Wudang School." And Shulian's just like, "But the women can't join." And he's like, "Yeah, in this case, we should make an exception. I think, or else she'll be a poison dragon." And she's just like, "Yeah, no, chill, chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, she'd be a poison dragon. That'd be bad. Yeah." Not like just a repressed person who just like <laughs> doesn't do anything with their life. Right. Would have been it? nice if you made one exception earlier. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh yeah, no, no. Now's the time for yeah, the exception. You're right, you're right. Definitely. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely. <laughs> bit of a yaddle. <laughs> Michelle, yeah. Bit of a yaddle. And he's just like staring off into the distance, contemplating endless sorrow, you know? Yeah. And he's like, I'll, I'll just touch your face again. Touch my face again. It's fine. Don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> um oh that scene. That scene, oh, we'll get there. But it's uh, so brutal. Anyway. Uh but yeah, so they have this fight. This guy who you know is invincible one second suddenly cannot catch a f- spinning blade to the face. Oh, the next, he, he sees does, it coming. Gets it does, right in the brain. No, to give him some credit, he does catch it in between his eyes. <laughs> yes, right. He catches it perfectly. But in a movie in the that's middle of his face, quite bloodless. There's two moments of moments of blood. Right. That and then when the guy has like blood coming out of his mouth when. Which uh, is great. Jen, Jen hits him in the Slices face. Yeah. Um, but uh, that that one shot of him going like, Ugh, yeah, I really like. And that. then there's the great bit where Michelle Yao f- confirms that Jen is the thief by knocking the the thing oh, off the table. God, I love that. Whereas uh, um, Limu Bai's move is like he kind of like blows some magic wind at her and it like flaps her thing up for a yeah. second. Oh yeah, but that's he cool. would never. I mean, that's in like a mini fight scene yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would never embarrass her 
by or like lower her to mm-hmm. removing her mask because this whole movie is about people coming to grips with with who they are yes. and what's important to them and unmasking someone else in that way and like forcing them would be a rape of some kind. I mean, yeah. it would be um, in the parlance of this movie. The, the other thing I love about the teacup scene is that like uh, much like most martial arts films, this is like a very sound effects kind of foley heavy film oh, where yeah. you're hearing the swishes and the clangs and the whoops and everything. That that teacup thing is like silent because the whole point is how effortlessly automatically she's, she's able to just like catch it and stop any sort of clang from happening. Very, very Peter Parker. Yeah. And then <laughs> true. the shots of the knowing looks. I That's love the, the knowing like, looks. English this so movie is good. 50% like super action and 50% knowing looks, oh, yeah. right? Because yeah. of how good Ang Lee is at getting like emotional restraint out of his actors, his close-ups are so fucking effective because you just watch people thinking, yeah. you know? Yeah. Silent acknowledgments. We've talked about his his body language, his mastery of body he language. Loves body he language. loves body language. He gets it exactly right. He want, you know, he commands his actors to do very specific Things, David Ehrlich. Hi. Uh, hi. So, are we at the uh, are we at the flashback now? Yeah, I think we're about at that point. Yeah. Um, because we got to figure out who Jen is. Yeah. So Lo, aka Dark, Dark Cloud, Cloud, comes into her bedroom and he says, it "Sounds like a bad PlayStation Two game, wasn't it? A bad PlayStation Two game? Dark Cloud. They turned this into no, but like not Crouching Tiger, game. but Dark Cloud. Well, it's Dark, Dark Souls. Souls. Well, yeah. Dark. I mean, Dark Souls is a phenomenal PlayStation Three game, right? But." Uh, uh, You're right. It's a bad PlayStation 2 wow. game. It's an RPG. Ooh, it looks like Zelda, but shit. Yeah. Did you have uh, the Crouching Tiger game? No, I played it though because my friend Josh, who was so like he, yeah, he went all in on. He bought the soundtrack and that like second soundtrack that's like Ooh. more like Yo Yo Mod rarities. I don't know. <laughs> like I don't know what was on it. Because Merchandise Spotlight. <laughs> do you know there was a line of toys for this movie? Of course. Which is insane because it was like two years after a Sony Pictures Classics film had come out, it had made such a cultural impact that there were, like, Crouching Tiger toys at R.I.P. Toys R. Us. It's like if there were, like, Call Me By Your Name toys in, right. like, 2019. Call Me By Your Name became, like, a, a major blockbuster. <laughs> right. And then, like, two Like years, an acrylic peach. Right, but, like, so often with, like, movies, it's either, like, you have the merchandise out before the movie comes out or, like, 20 years later when it's become, like, a cult Did thing. you get your action figure yet? Is this a sore subject? Do you is think, this the sorest of subjects? Do you think? It's a real point of frustration. By what? August, you will have gotten an action figure, though. <sighs> On the record. Okay. Is it, when's this episode coming out? August or July? Uh, Mid-August. August 13th, I think. I had been told that there yes. is something that should be releasing by holiday season of 2018. So I would hope that it would be revealed by the time this episode's coming out. But who knows? I keep on waiting for them to pull the rug out from under me. But I've heard they plan to have something for sale December 2018. Okay. I'm going to show or like a picture while you guys keep talking. Uh, so just to add to the merch uh, spotlight, uh, the, there's a porn parody of this movie. Mm. And, and, crouching Penis. Yeah, well, it's yeah, Crouching Tiger. Hidden penis. Hidden penis. The penis is hidden. Mm. Usually in porn, is, the penis is not so hidden. Well, but in good porn. Right. Do they shoot the porn, do you know, with the same sort of emotional restraint that they shoot the films? Angley directed like, the porn looks. as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, got a lot of knowing looks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like just between a penis and a vagina just staring at each other from across. Oh, wow. Right? That, it's off-putting, <laughs> but also like very realistic. I mean, it's it's very just, weird. Once I... 
It's the neck is what's throwing the me. The neck is weird. Uh, but see. I think without the neck. I showed you this already. I'm showing, I'm the yeah, showing the, the, the David's neck thing is really weird. Just on a, my head sculpted. It looks like I, a penis a little bit, but like once on sure. a, on a body. Yeah. On like a, on a plastic body. Look good. Look good. Yeah. I, I, I keep on. Photo real. It's good. photo real. They, yeah. they got the pores right. I just keep on waiting for them to be like, never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Canceled due to complete lack of interest. I'm oh. interested. I'm interested too. I might buy an action figure of you. Hell yeah, you win. Yeah. And I don't buy action figures. You guys oh, should yeah, have blank know. check. What if there are blank check action figures before there are the tick That's, action figures? I, mean, look, part I of think the, Griffin would be I fine with that. I that as a win. <laughs> right. I don't care. I think Griffin's yeah. just oh. like, yo, let me be an action You got like figure. a pull string yeah. Rosley. Right. He's just like. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> you can still like, you just do, do an ad when you that, pull it. That is that. totally what would happen. We get contacted by some toy company about wanting to merchandise blank check. They only want to make Ben dolls. And they make like a thousand bends. They make a different one for each nickname. Right. Yeah. They make one with ham, like with a magnifying glass holding a piece of ham. Make like an audio boom pterodome and then uh, and then venue. Yeah. Oh, I combine the meat lover and the fart pack there. <laughs> uh, flashback. There's my yawn. Yes, flashback. Flashback. We get in the middle of this movie, yeah. drops the hammer, a 20 ish minute flashback. Which mm-hmm. rules? To like the most remote shooting location on the face of in the, the earth. fucking yeah. Gobi Desert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, it totally rules. It, it starts with. It totally rules. I mean, it has the, like my favorite shot of all time. The, which one's like, that? Well, going up the ridge oh, and yeah. then like oh, seeing oh. the whole like. Uh, what group a character. Of horses. Intro. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Uh, Seriously. You got the comb. You got, got that comb. You love that comb. You were tweeting about that comb. I fucking love that comb, man. It's a good, it looks like a good comb. It's like comb. second. <laughs> it's on. like second Combs MacGuffin. Hair. I mean, there's a whole other movie yeah. here. Uh, yeah. It's a jade comb, too, isn't it? It's also sure. green. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, you get one of the great meat cutes of all time when he steals it steals on horseback. Mm-hmm. While a, raiding her caravan. Mm-hmm. And Which, she's immediately. Sorry, we're going. No, I've tried that a bunch of times. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> You've raided some caravans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, no. You wait I, for a girl you, no, to no, be in a caravan? No, I'm not that gross, please. Okay? Have you grown your hair out like that? Because yes, that's important. I, I yeah, had you, a bad phase in high school. You don't want to see the pictures. Uh, I'm not even joking. Uh, we no, definitely I would, nev- I would never raid a caravan. Right, you just steal a comb. I go to the bar and steal some combs. Right, right. And then hopefully, like, pretty women chase you. Yo, girl, let me get that comb. Yeah. Um, she follows Lo, who doesn't then hang out with his bandits. He just goes across the desert to one of his hidey hole caves. Yeah. Well, you know, he goes to, he is hanging out with the bandits. He goes to the bandits first. She shows up and kicks a bunch of ass. Right. Right. Because she's already like four years into training at this point. Oh, she is all, this this is like the invitation that she has been waiting for uh, her entire life. And he goes after her. And it's only because like she pursues him because otherwise it could seem a little rapey in the way that like they mm-hmm. come together in yes. his little cave. But it's, it's, true. it's really the way that like she pursues him and then he has to get his property back and take care of her and knocks her out. And then, you know, things go from there. But, but, right, but he's very yeah. nice. He's like, you know, he sings that very catchy song, which yeah. they build into the score. In when they when you first cut to the caravan, you hear like, na 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 na. it's really subtle, but it's great. Uh, um, Chang Chen, who was like a child star, he's in A Brighter Summer Day. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh. And when's uh, the Edward Yang cast? Well, let's Next. fucking do it. Brighter Summer podcast. Yang, then Flickman. A podcast and a podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I I do think uh, <laughs> podcastian confusion. I don't you, know. You make a good point though, because like 
he shows up and you're like, okay, here's like the Wuxia version of like a biker gang, right? Sure. And then very quickly it's like, no, those are kind of like my work friends. I don't really like, <laughs> yeah, we like, might get drinks on. and sit by a fire right, like once a month. I like to chill in my cave. Right. I'm yeah. not really, that. I separate like, you know, my personal life from my, my career. Am I the only one who thinks that cave life seems really relaxing? Yeah, why don't they really, just stay in the cave? Really into it. I'm ben into by, it. Ben's into Love it. a good dark place. But like also a having hole. all of your worldly possessions just yeah. in this one cave and it's like no one's going to come bother you. It you can take safe. a lady back there, give her right. a bath. You know? Yeah, spoiler yeah. alert he has for to the bring a lot of water though. We don't see no. that part. Yeah. Spoiler alert for the Tomb Raider movie that came out six months ago that we keep talking about. Yeah. There's a point where they find a character who's been hiding in a cave for mm. like five years. I'm like, just stay there. It feels like you gotta figure it out. Mm. He's going a little crazy though. He doesn't have Chang Chen to like give him a bath and rub his shoulders. No, I, mean, I just would love yeah. to live I mean, in a like, cave. You know, Dark Cloud hears that Trump was elected and then decides to go off the grid. That's the thing. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to live in a cave and be like no Wi-Fi access. You cannot check Twitter. And there was a New York Times article about him uh, oh, this yeah. is a call back to an I article know. that we have all forgotten I about by I mean, August. Yeah, yeah, thank god yeah. <laughs> caves have good ambiance too. yeah of course like yeah. a house doesn't really make like great noises weird echoing no, noises got, got dripping caves are kind of chilly too like a yeah. nice sort of uh, natural coolness yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, and they're often big and wet big and wet oh, this, there are some wet scenes here yeah mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot of focus on her mouth. Yep. Uh, yeah. it's, it's like you know, prior to Lust Caution, far and away the most sensual thing that yeah. Angley had ever filmed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, not, not since he filmed a duck having water <laughs> poured down its throat in Eat Drink Man Woman. Yeah. Has he so has he been so fucking erotically hot? shot? But I mean, it, it's also Frank Wise is pretty fucking hot in Sense and Sense. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just say it's also mythic because it, it, the way the tone that the movie is established by this point. Like they feel each other out. They're they're It's very they sure romantic do comedy. Feel each other <laughs> out. Yeah. Uh, it's all very like adversarial, romantic comedy. Like then they commit to loving each other, and then they it's see like, each other's butts. They see each other's butts, and yeah. then boom, that's all they need like, to be butt. riding on horseback together, like in a romantic fable. There are two great butts here, four great cheeks. Also yeah. a good. Uh, also a great virginity loss where it's like how'd you lose your virginity ah prom night you know it was a little awkward how'd you lose your I got kidnapped and went to a cave I was seeing Pirates of the Caribbean 3 Uh, you know, a sexy bandit called Dark Cloud. You know, classic. You know, just standard teen. And they're like, "Oh, did you uh, did you do the Walk of Shame home the next day?" No, he took me to the most beautiful waterfall on earth, yeah. and in soft focus, told me a uh, a myth about a kid jumping off a mountain. Yeah. Also, I proceed to live in that cave for several more weeks. Yeah. Months? How long has she gone I, for? Shuman's really polite, by the way. Yeah, because like when yeah. when Jay, uh, Jen is like, "You're really cool with all your adventures." Like, is she should be like. Uh, yeah, what about when you got kidnapped by a bandit? Yeah. And you were in the desert. What happened Fair there? love. And instead she's just like, uh, no, it's no big deal. Well, it's yeah. so <laughs> underplayed that it's 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 so ingrained in the choices that they have to make yeah. that she is living off the grid in a cave, but they can't be happy yeah. and like be themselves when her father's men are always on the prowl looking for her. Mm-hmm. And they're both just like, you know, after presumably just boning for a while, they're just like... Well, I got to go back. Like, yeah. hopefully we can make this work one day. And and Dark Cloud's like, I'm going to be rich. And I'm going to prove your parents that I'm worth Yeah, I it. know. Where he's just like, what if I became the greatest bandit of all time? Would they like me then? And she's kind of like, oh, let's see. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> she's like, have you considered law school? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> this is like the best plan. It was like, you know, yeah. how I'm like a famous bandit, but like A-list famous. They, that's marriageable, right? I'm imagining the spinoff Greatest Bandit musical now. <laughs> Is he? He's in the sequel. I've seen the sequel. 
Uh, no one has seen this. I saw no it. one's seen it. That's not true. It. You're lying. You've not seen it. Uh, I don't remember it at all. It doesn't exist. Uh, obviously, like, Chai and Fat is not in it. I mean, right. spoiler alert. Michelle uh, Yeoh is in it. She is, but I remember it being a small. pretty small role. Donnie Zhang said she wouldn't do it wouldn't do unless it. it was Ang Lee. Uh Donnie Yen is the star. And then Harry Shum Jr. from Glee yeah. is like the second lead. One of my favorite martial artists. <laughs> I remember it being weird. Uh, but yeah, we have this beautiful flashback and she goes back and we are back to where we were. And Jen's like, uh, cool story. You got to go away. Right. And who's right. hiding in the crowds now? Dark Cloud. Dark, <laughs> Dark Cloud in the crowds. Right. So he's uh, back. Now that yeah. we've set him he's up. He's like, let's get married. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like. Oh. Uh, that's another bit with the, the dart in the parade. And he like fires oh, yeah. the dart in her carriage. And it's like, she looks at the dart like there's. I, I'm not sure what she's thinking. I there. know. Well, that's it. Yeah. It's like after all that time, his move is, okay, I'm going to wait, bide my time, bye. And then when she's getting married and the procession is happening, I'll just kind of like jump down and be like, please marry me. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> sort of like, uh, like not tactically right. sad. And then he like goes to Michelle Yeoh and Cheyenne Fats like, so has she said anything about that? Me? Like, how'd that work? Is that making waves? Did that feel <laughs> chill? I love, I love how Lee Bai is like, all right, bro, like let's, let's talk about this. And then, uh, Shulian drops in. She's like, no, 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 like, over yeah, here. No. I know which I don't talk to I this guy. It. Right where he's like, yeah. a- dating my teenage like, daughter. We'll yeah. give it to you. Come over. Oh, here. so you have a crush on her? This yeah. is what you should do: stand stoically and never express your love. And she's like, okay, hold my beer. <laughs> Tell her that you love her as you're dying, and then right, carry right, that right. feeling with you. Definitely into wait until the toxin is flooded ninety percent of your bloodstream. Your blood yeah. has reversed yeah. its course. Right. You want to only give yourself time for one kiss. Leave yes. them wanting yeah, more. Yeah, deaf right. <laughs> but that's sort of what this movie is about, well, yeah. right? Because he's like, all passion and excitement, and Lima Bai is like, you're like a space alien. But you know, yeah. without necessarily endorsing repression, this movie does sort of recognize that the idea of a feeling is in some ways more pure than actually living with it. Well, yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's very remain to the day. Right. Right. Their love becomes so strong because it's like never been expressed. Right. Um, yes. Doesn't seem like nothing an is real. Nothing can be tainted. Yeah. Um, but yeah. like, I think Jen's having more fun. I mean, she has crazy desert adventure. She has tons of, ton of hot uh, cave sex. She's such an, she's she has got like a three awesome fight scenes. Yeah. She's such an interesting character. I mean, she doesn't really fall into a she's particular type. A fascinating character. Yeah. It's never happened in a Hollywood movie. She reminds me a lot of. Christine, Lady Bird, whatever the fuck her last name is, McPherson. Yeah, uh, yeah just because like she is dimensional in a way that you don't often get characters of and, any and, gender. Right. And angry she's a pain in, in a way that young women right. are not usually on screen. She's the villain of the movie who causes all the trouble, but she's also the protagonist and the hero. She has an adversarial relationship with the mom character who she also loves and is indebted to. Of course. Yeah. And uh, she kills, and uh, she is responsible for her father's death. And she eats yes, she Doritos is. with Tracy Doritos. Letts. Doritos. Doritos. Let's get a big bag of Doritos. 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 Uh, but it's amazing how Wild much Mater. of the iconic scenes from this movie, what percentage of them are crammed to the last like 35 minutes or so. I, in my mind's eye, not having seen this movie since 2000, remembered there being like 30 to 40 minutes of Chow Yun-Fat has been poisoned. He's slowly dying in the cave. <laughs> and instead, it's like two scenes. It happens it's like within quick. the last 15 minutes of the movie. I remember there was fight shit going on and they kept like cutting back to the cave and she was like, how you doing? And he's like, <laughs> quiet, let me just breathe a little bit. Because there's that whole notion of like, let me try to lower my energy as much as yeah, possible. Yeah, right, right. I'll try and hold on to this. I remember that being like an act of the movie. Nah. But it is like the last 30 minutes are jam fucking packed. Well, right, because there's, all right, so there's the flashback, there's the wedding, which- right. 
you know, doesn't do great. Yeah. After that, she's like, let me dress up as a boy and just go to a bar. Right. Yeah. Start and some shit. Goes to a bar. She does like a fucking uh, phantom thread order. Right. She orders, she practically says like, go slay a school of fish and, and bring them like, to me. And then she like roadhouses everyone. Right. And then people come up. Now they're being weird because they're like, hey, what's up? What's your name? Well, it's like she, what's your name, man? It's like she rolls into a poker club and she's like, "I just won the World Series of Poker. Like right, I'm the best yeah, poker player." Right, yeah. in the she world. does have she has the and sword. Like everyone, right. she yeah. has the sword, and right. she keeps on like fucking like. Well, everyone's always like, "I'm over. Golden Iron Monkey God," and she's what's like, "Your, your name's name? too long. Shut the fuck yeah, up." She's <laughs> like, "How about this?" I mean, that scene rules in ways that I don't think humans have found the language to totally no. describe. That, I remember yet. that scene was her BAFTA clip, oh, man. and I oh. was and and I was just. Like, imagine that being an Oscar. Love uh, how... Just taking down a whole bar. Something I discovered in the process of preparing for this episode, how uh, the guy who does that immortal fall off the bar- off the Classic. banister Classic. is the same guy who has the abacus. And the reason he has an abacus in the next shot is when he's playing a different character ostensibly is because he had broken his arm during the fall <laughs> and they still want him there. And he's like, what can I hold with one arm? All right, I'll just do math at her. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you could beat someone pretty That's badly a with a big abacus, but uh, That's so funny. Yeah, she's, she's a mad. She can uh, dressing in men's clothes, can right. finally sort of like live freely, mm-hmm. be who she wants to be, show that she is the badass warrior that she is. And that fight scene just, just, just come on. The cinema. I am yeah. the invincible sword goddess, armed with the green destiny. Talks the whole time. No Spitting rap game. The other thing with this movie is like, obviously the choreography is amazing. Obviously he shoots and edits it beautifully. He also, all of these fight scenes have story beats in them. Like it's not just one upsmanship of like, here's some crazy mm-hmm. shit. Like even that, the big Michelle Yeoh, Zhi Zhang fight is like the story beats of Michelle Yeoh running out of weapons and having to figure out different ways to fight her, which is like the thing I love in action movies where like there are actual like character moments that accelerate and heighten and deepen the bits of actual fighting. Um, It's it's fucking well done. That's everything. Like uh, there's no fight scene in this movie that isn't where every beat isn't sort of expressing the characters. But, right, but it right. still has the the approach of like a crappy Marvel movie or whatever. Where it's like, oh, well, now we should have a fight scene with weapons, I guess. Like where it, but the it, but it falls so smoothly and it's so perfectly but built like, up. Right. And it's like, you know, what it bumps never me feels out superfluous. in, say, like a lot of Marvel movies is yeah. like, okay, we've justified like, It'll be why- funny if these guys fight now, right? But it's like we've justified why they now need to fight, but then the fight is totally devoid of story or character. The fight is just like a a porno. It's like they're going to have sex now, and then they have sex. Right. It's a porno scene. But (laughs) in in this, the the fight is as expressive as a screenplay. I mean, it's just like the story is continuing. It's not just being put on pause so we can sell some tickets. Right, which I, I think is one of the reasons why it became such a crossover success. Because, like, obviously the visuals of the fights are crazy yeah. in a post matrix landscape. People were like, Oh, let's go deeper into the sort of thing that matrix is referencing. Yes. But I also think people get invested in the fights in this movie because you care about what's going on. Of course. Like it's not just fucking Romeo must die, which jet Lee took instead of this film. Do you know no. that yeah, he was first choice? That. that was a mistake. Yes. Was. Romeo must die has that gimmick where when he kicks someone, it cuts to like an x-ray and you see their bones breaking. I, Romeo, I that Romeo Must Die also has <laughs> oh, a yeah. line where someone looks at him and goes, sorry, Romeo, but you got to die. <laughs> Wait, is Romeo <laughs> Must Die good? <laughs> but like, how does he not like, say oh, Romeo? It's Romeo and Julia. You must die. It's in the title. Yeah, no, he says, sorry, Romeo, but you got to die. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a mistake. Why did he do that? 
I DMX. don't know. Sometimes to work yeah. with DMX. I yeah. think he was. I think he thought like, look, I'm trying to make a big Hollywood career here. I can't go back and do some Chinese film. I'm trying to like cross the pond. And then this movie like outgrossed every Jet Li film. And also like Jet Li's most successful American release was Fearless, which was sort of advertised as like, if you like Crashing Tiger, here's another Chinese movie for you. Not Danny that, the Dog. That's no. his most successful release? In I, the one. I would bet that that is Korea. his most successful U.S. gross. Are you, not including like not including Lethal, Lethal Weapon, weapon or, or Expendables. I'm saying for a Jet Li vehicle, that certainly outgrossed the one that outgrossed Unleashed. Box office mode just being weird, but so if, you I'll know, let you know later. You know, did, that movie did weirdly well. Yeah, okay. In yeah. Jet Li's defense, speaking of the... the He's in Hero, too. He is in Hero. Yeah. Which is probably his second highest grossing domestic. I mean, those are yeah. the two. I think it's Hero and then uh, Fearless. But speaking of the but themes of Crouching Tiger, you, yeah. you gotta have huge regrets in your life for it to be meaningful at the end. Right. Uh, so he, on his deathbed, will be able to look Ang Lee in the eye and kiss him on the lips and say... I've always loved you. Oh, that's an interesting point that maybe Jet Li wasn't ready to do Crouching Tiger because he hadn't yet turned down Crouching Tiger. That is correct. Like, having not done Crouching Tiger, he would have been prepared for the role. Mm -hmm. So, there's the fight that you just described between Jen and Shuliana. That's my favorite. We can't can't brush over that. I mean, it's like possibly possibly the the greatest fight scene ever in stage. And it is also Lady Bird fighting with her mother. Like, that's the arc of that that scene, right? Like, that's where at a certain point it changes from them being mad at each other to Jen being like, no, no, yeah, go ahead. Pick a weapon. Pick a weapon. It's also, let's keep doing this. Watching the men scatter out when they get down there and start to fight. I mean, like this is a movie that really, I mean, not that it did poorly. I mean, it's hard to imagine it doing this well if it came out now, Mm -hmm. but really sort of speaks to where we are in the culture now um, in terms of, you know, female representation and strength. I mean, this movie was uh, tapping into things that Wonder Woman would have to like run around to 18 years later. Um, yeah, I mean, you're it's, right. it's a very even within the confines of what was allowed for of women in the culture they describe. It's a very feminist, like you know. It, it is interesting that like outside of Fearless and Hero getting like pretty wide releases and doing strong numbers, this movie kind of didn't influence anything else. You know? Well, it, you know, without this movie, you don't have Hero coming out in the that, United that, States. That's what but I'm like, saying. Or, yeah. I mean, the only thing it influenced but was you, domestic releases of other... But you can't, though. Daggers. It's like... Right. You can't... Yeah, I mean, that was a little more limited, but like... Big, no, that was a big hit in America. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like, well, Zhang Yimou got to release, like, a trio of films right. here. Yeah. But, First, uh, like, the Golden Flower? But, like, Hero was, like, number one in the box office two weeks in a row. But Hollywood doesn't have the ability to rip this off, is the thing. That's it's the like, thing. they don't have right. the talent. Um, Honestly, they've been trying to for like the 10 years before, not with no. the costume movies, but with like they were trying to make like the replacement killers and all that stuff. Right. Where yeah. Like, Can we make the killer? Right. Like, I mean, they also don't really audiences? have it's hard to find the context because in a world where martial arts was so central to right. uh, the culture and, and when you're looking at like 18th century China, whenever this movie takes place, that's yes, one thing. 17. But in American context, it's hard to like justify why people are fighting each other so skillfully. 1778. Um, it would be really hard for them to rip, to, to rip off. But uh, yeah, yeah, greatest fight scene possibly ever staged. Uh, it's, just chill. Just super chill. It's fucking insane. Uh, it just gets better and better and better and they get angry. And it's also, it has that sense of uh, vitriol that almost all the other fight scenes are deliberately missing in this yes, movie. Yes, this where they is are the one going where it's getting for, yeah. pumped up. And then, yeah, obviously, when then we have the final fight where Jade shows back up. I mean, Jade's the one who's got all the vitriol. Yeah, it's like barely a fight. I mean, like the violence, yeah, but it's so they cool. don't want to... 
I mean, it's it's a neat little beat, but like they don't want to um, make the violence into something beautiful necessarily. It's, no. It's like this is... Well, uh, you know what? If they didn't want to make it beautiful, then they shouldn't have started flying on top of trees. <laughs> Well, well, there's the tree scene in between. Oh, the tree yeah. scene. Ah. Thank you. That's why I was trying to direct it. Which out you were, and that's right. Whereas, like, her fight with her mother is very passionate and inflamed. Yeah. And her fight with her father. Tracy Letts rolls up, and he's just like, "Here's he's just like, here's like here's don't, don't tell your mom, but but I'm gonna give you the school, the the money for school. Exactly. Right. You can go to the Wudang Mountain. <laughs> I, I did. I did realize what what the greatest, uh, not greatest in terms of uh, in a pejorative way, uh, greatest in terms of largest influence of this movie was on Hollywood, mm-hmm. which was just fucking 15 years of any time an Asian character does anything in a comedy. Being referred to as crouching oh, yeah. blank, hidden right. blank. Right. Right. It, the, the, the result was that it just played up our most racist tendencies. Right. In the same way right. that like Slumdog yeah. Millionaire for 15 years right. after is just like, yeah. oh, look, it's Slumdog Blank over here. <laughs> I hate everybody. <laughs> Chill out, Griffin. It's going to be okay. It's, it's not going to be okay. It's great. It's great. Fuck you. Yeah. Okay, so they dance on top of trees. Oh, it's and it's like at this point, trees. The, yeah. the fighting is so abstract that they're not even making physical contact with one another. No, no. He just like taps on the bamboo tree. Yeah. And then he kind of looks at her. I like that. You know, where, where she's going by him. Mm-hmm. Oh like, my God. It's the best. He's like, oh, but I'm still and she's moving. What does this mean? It's huh. like a pure abstraction at this point. I'll definitely figure it out once I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like five minutes later. This movie does put a lot of stock in the things that we realize on our deathbeds. Like I'm yeah. like Angley's really putting all his chips in that pot. Yeah. Which is, you know, I mean, I, this is, it's a, it, if you're going to compare it to a Western and I think. The Wooksie movie kind of has that cachet. You know, everyone figures everything out right at the end of a sure, Western. Sure. We're like, right you know, when kid, it's too late to do anything about it. Right, exactly. I, I, I Maybe I am a son of a bitch, but uh, I guess I'm going to die now. Like, whatever. I don't know. He uh, does. He gets, he gets. He yeah. Gets. Oh, I mean, that scene is they put him up on the trees. They had the wire work. I just don't know how they got the camera up there. I have no idea. But they did it. Uh, yeah, that flips me out. And also how they got all the wires up there. <laughs> Yeah. Like, do you think about how high the sort of whatever rig they were using had to be above them, which is already above the trees, the camera? It, it's uh, insane. It's totally insane. And then uh, he dies. Yeah, they go to a cave. Jade Fox makes her move. She shoots one billion arrows at him. He chops them all away. Which is super cool. And then he... All but one. All but one. And he cuts up her sword and like kind of just directs it back at her. That's how she dies, right? He like hits all the little needles and they all, all fly the back needles? at her. It's all, is, I, yeah. I could have sworn there's something with a sword. Her own poison. Yeah, no, I know. Is what claims her. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's that question of like, well, how, if Jade's not even that good, like if she's already been beaten by Jen, how's she killing people? But it's like, you know, poison, that's sort of like the trickster's art. Like, you know, it's like. Uh, oh, yeah. Poison is a recurring theme shit. in this movie about, you know, how uh, it's, 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 you know, for the bitter pills. But then, right. then uh, in. <laughs> A very James Jameson like flourish at the end there. Uh, he gets to have this wonderful dying monologue where so he he looks at her and he says, "I would rather be a ghost." He's Clint Eastwood in the movie, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I would rather be a ghost drifting by your side. Yeah, these are the Crashing Tiger action figures. <laughs> Carry on, Ehrlich. Merchandise as a like. condemned soul. Or like, or like, here are the Crashing Tiger action figures. The Limu buy one's pretty good. Yeah, they're just good. Uh, then enter heaven without you. Because oh of your my love, God. I will never be a lonely spirit. And you know what? It works, damn it. It does work, but it is kind of funny that when he's dying, he's like, I love you. 
I'm sorry that we're never going to be together, but I will be a ghost that walks alongside you. We can make out for you. like 45 seconds if you want. I think I got that left in yeah, the tank. Yeah, I, I, can, I can make out, <laughs> and then I'm going to be an eternal spirit that walks alongside you. Okay, I got to go. Well, Ben's going to show me something on his Oh, phone. here's the costume for the fuckmaster. Oh, okay, there's the costume for the fuckmaster. It's <laughs> okay. pretty good, right? It's pretty good. Can I see Ben? <laughs> um, but uh, uh, but no, it's like a, a Roman holiday sort of, and it's like we yes. know in our hearts that we were in love with one another, and oh. that is. By the way, better here's a picture of the tickle me Ben doll. Oh wow, that's a picture of the tickle me Ben. Does it come with some audio? Can it you pull comes it? with some audio? Let me pull the string. Stop fucking tickling <laughs> me! What's wrong with you? Limu buys. He's not, he's not Marin. You just blew up the oh, mic. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. It <laughs> was that's the tickle me Marin. Let me scan over. He says, like, uh, who, "Who are you guys?" Yeah. Okay, let me scan over. Okay, here's the tickle me van. Okay, wet, <laughs> big, fuck yeah. So I didn't really. Uh, I didn't study at the Wudan school, but like I heard about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, one of the Wudan guys. Yeah, I mean, they're they're cool. Uh, I know those guys. Um, I used to work the door over in uh, Beijing in the Forbidden yeah. City. I don't know. Yeah, I remember the day he came in and said he was going to do a jazz fight. <laughs> this is good. And David's throwing his cell phone against this the wall. This is good, guys. You um, should mention that. Uh, like most things, uh, hey, I am First nothing. of all, jinx for you guys lying at the same time. Yeah. Secondly, I should mention that before this episode recorded, uh, when we were talking, I was talking about something that made me very angry, and I picked up my chair and acted like I was going to throw it across the room. Yeah. And there's a big window in our studio that yeah, faces Rachel out to the offices. Really alarmed. Like four different people, people who huh? work at Audio Boom thought I was uh, losing my mind. No, you, can, you are losing. The your window mind. looks exactly like the square window that they have when we the face touching scene that we sort of uh, brushed past when oh. you know, and he's like declares his love for her, and she's like, "I get it now. Like finally, ninety minutes of this it. movie, I yeah. get." That you want me. Um, and uh, that's what the window looks like. So imagine yeah. watching Griffin throw a chair through <laughs> right. that window. And wondering whether they should call the cops. Right. I wish they could have called the cops. Oh, fucked. Oh, yeah. yeah but cool. This is my favorite kind of movie. No, I, mean, I it's, agree. It's like, I mean, it's better that you way. Know, it's, yeah, it's, it's better. Well, I, let me ask I, you yeah. this, though. What if they fucked and flew? At the same time. Well, that's sure. that's what Jen gets, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. She goes back to Fuck Mountain Some right after this. She goes to Fuck Mountain and where, where Chang Chen's hanging out. Yeah. This is the first of Ang Lee's uh, Fuck Mountain diptych. <laughs> um, <laughs> His Sex Mountain movies. Uh-huh. Both were transgressive in their own ways. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, uh, she gets to have one last, one last romp. Mm-hmm. And uh, then in a very bittersweet and ambiguous ending. She flies. Flies away. Flies away. Yeah. Jumps off that fucking mountain. Goes like this. Yeah. I'm doing a good. Uh, this was air. one of those years where like uh, the Oscars seemed wide open. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the Oscars. Where it kind of felt like, I, I think it felt like four of. I mean, how many Oscar races have two movies by the same director nominated versus a sword and sandals epic and a. Right. Chinese martial arts movie. Right. And then the fourth nominee was Chocolat. The fifth, the fifth, fifth nominee fifth, is Chocolat. Right. But, I, uh, you know, let's get some. But, but I feel like people thought it was a pretty even race between Gladiator Traffic and Crouching Tiger, that it yes. could go any one of the three ways. Correct. And people start to sense the Crouching Tiger might be the Jackie Robinson that breaks the, the foreign language barrier for best picture. Right. Came and it very should close. have. Everyone thought he was going to win Best Director because they thought Soderbergh would cancel himself out. But he didn't. He didn't. Luckily, Ang Lee got to win Best Director two You know times. what? I yes. still resent Soderbergh for just not pulling a full Ving Rhames and being like, you know what? 
giving Ang it to Haley no, It'd be great if he was like, everyone come on stage. All the nominees, uh, nominees, Stephen Daldry, Ang Lee, Ray, uh, Ridley Scott, Steven Soderbergh, come on stage. <laughs> and then he came on stage for his own bit. Yeah, what if he even rhymes himself for Aaron Brockovich? Yeah, he was like, like, to be honest, I, I think I did I a did better job. I did a great job. job on Traffic, but Aaron Brockovich, that was the real movie. Yeah. All right, come, come on, my award. come on. Goes to my favorite living to the, filmmaker. To the guy who's engraving it, and yeah. he's just like, uh, no, I want for Aaron Brockovich. Just, just write that in. <laughs> no, I mean, I... I actually really like Gladiator. I think it's a great movie. I can't believe it won Best Picture. I think Gladiator kind of boring. I think it's yeah, you're fine. I find you kind of boring. But that's not true no, because I we're very good friends when we do a I podcast. Find, I find you very exciting. Uh, Thank you. I thought great. Russell Crowe was a very convincing Spanish man. Yes, he was. The Spaniard. Watch <laughs> so out for weird. him, Maximus. Um, yeah, I, I, it's weird that that film won. Uh, uh Gladiator? Yeah, because yeah. I feel like the, the narrative. Well, Traffic won four of its five Oscars. Right. And it only missed out on um, Picture. Crouching Tiger won four out of eight. Yeah, Crouching Tiger Ten. won. Ten. Yeah, because I think wow. Crouching Tiger. Well, Gladiator probably got a lot too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Gladiator got 12. Jeez. Crouching Tiger got 10. So, yeah. but Crouching Tiger won Best Score. Yeah, because Gladiator got two acting noms. That's the difference. Right. Best Score, Best uh-huh. Art Direction, Best Cinematography, and Foreign Language Film. Okay. Those were its four wins. Traffic won Editing. Director, supporting actor, screenplay. and adapted screenplay. Right. You know where Gladiator didn't win in the court of public opinion. Yeah, my friends, <laughs> was the highest grossing movie. Yeah, in a minute, we're gonna do it. What? What's? What are we gonna? He wants to do the box office. We're gonna game. do it. We're just talking the Oscars. We're just well, talking Oscars. Well, now we're gonna spend fifteen minutes talking about the lyrics of the closing credit song. Yeah, of course. <laughs> love across time. Yeah, man, we have two hours left in this episode. Uh, so, I love before and I, time. I, I, I love before time. Sorry, and uh, it's not after time. It's no, very different no. love. Yeah, uh, and I also might sing the song from the credits of Return of the King just because I really like it. The, the it is a it, let's just talk about best original song for just thirty seconds because yeah. the, the nominees are the Bob Dylan song from Wonder Boys. Times have changed. Times have changed. Which that wins. That wins. And he Skypes in, right? Yes. I remember he was He Skypes not, in, he was like on, in concert. They do a live performance. Like, I won an Oscar. But it's cool. a live, like, tele, televised yeah, yeah, yeah. performance. They're all watching, and then they, like, cut back to him, and he's like, eh, what is I? I know, that's an Oscar. Uh, then A Fool in Love from Meet the Parents, a song I do not remember. I do. A Randy Newman song. When you're a fool in love. <laughs> I swear to God, that's how the song goes. When you're a sympathies. Uh, the it's crouch- opening credits. He, it's a, that song's a banger. He I wrote it say. in real time. The when Crouching Tiger song. in love. Um, the, the one song from Emperor's New Groove that Sting wrote that survived. My Funny, My funny Friend of Me. And plays then, the end credits. David, what was the fifth nominee? A Love Before Time? No, I already mentioned that one. What was the fifth nominee? In the year 2000? In the year 2000. It's probably, probably oh, it was in the year 2000, year 2000 from 2000. Conan, right? That's right. It was La Bamba nominated in, for in it. It was. 2000. I have seen it all. Oh, from fuck. From Dancer in the Dark. No, oh, really? By Bjork. Yes. That was the oh, That's why she was at the Oscars. Oh, yeah. That's I thought that was the dress. year after. And your wife once helped you psych yourself up to wear a swan dress. This is uh, this is true. This is the moment I realized I was in love with my I wife. Was yeah, I was dressed as Bjork's wife. swan dress. You probably would have been doomed to a Xiao Young Fat, <laughs> Michelle Yeoh relationship of never expressing it until that sure. moment when she, she gave you the courage to wear the dress and... Say yes to the dress. She, I said yes to the swan dress. Yeah. Uh, All right. So now, Mister Mister Fun Pants over oh, here yeah. wants us to you play the box. Let's let office. Ben guess the box office this time if he's so eager to do it. <laughs> no, he can see it. That's the problem. Ben looks terrified right now. <laughs> uh, no, don't. Have, okay, I, mean, I could try. <laughs> What's the widest this movie ever went? Oh, uh, the uh, widest? I think it's right now. 
<laughs> What's the widest Bingo. release it got? Uh, the widest it gets is 2,227 okay. so screens end up getting that big. in March. Wow. So this movie came out in December. That's some big fat Greek wedding It's a slow legs. expansion. Yeah. Like it never, you know, it it's never also, like ballooned. It's fascinating because like Sony Pictures Classics are like, they're the slow and steady guys. They, they never try to get like a Fox Searchlight like crossover hit. Their second highest grossing movie is like a film that made $25 million. Sure. Like yeah. Capote's in their top five of all time. Sure. And uh, they had like no experience releasing a film this wide. Right. Oh, Midnight in Paris, I guess, is their second biggest. But they, um, I saw Michael Barker, uh, co-president of Sony Pictures Classic Talk once, and he said the moment I realized we were going to cross $100 million was I was at a mall and I heard two kids talking, hyping each other up to go see Crouching Tiger. Or they just seen it. And they were like, man, the fucking subtitles were so cool. And he was like, sure. somehow the subtitles of the movie <laughs> Even became that was interesting, a cool right? thing. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, yeah, this movie did eventually platform all the way to a totally wide release. Which is but insane. It took four months. Yeah. The box office. What's the highest it ever did in one weekend? Uh, $10 million dollars on February 16th. Uh, yes. Crazy. Okay. Well, it was uh, Valentine's Day weekend. Everyone wanted yeah. to go, you know, have their forbidden love. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, its highest position was number five, which is... Nuts. No, number four, sorry. Okay. Which is the weekend before. Yeah. Okay. It opens at number 15. It makes a very solid $41,450 per screen okay. on 16 screens. Lincoln Plaza is one of them. Yes, yeah. that's right. David bought a ticket. R.I.P. Hell yeah. The first movie, number one movie... At the box office. So this is December. Give me the weekend again. December 8th, 2000. December 8th, 2000. Is the number one movie of 2000. It's the number one movie of 2000, and it is called Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That's right. Everyone forgets Fuck. how much fucking money that movie That made. is grim. 260 million domestic. so much goddamn money. The Grinch! There's another crazy. Grinch movie coming this year. I know. And it's like all in on how he likes to twerk or whatever. It like, literally, like, it like literally looks, you know the way they used to like skin video games for like a new movie coming out where it's like, we just took Street Fighter, but we put the characters from yeah. Lethal Weapon 3 on top of them. Mm -hmm. It looks like that with Despicable Me. It's it going to make it looks like they skinned billion dollars. It looks so bad. It's going to make so much money. And also, Bandit Cumberbatch is playing the Grinch. Oh, cool. He sounds kind of like the Grinch. I see the trailer. He's doing a fucking American accent. He loves to do that accent. Yeah, Bennett Cumberbatch speaking like Bennett Cumberbatch sounds like the Grinch. Instead, he's like, hey, look, I'm a Grinch. <laughs> I guess the Grinch is like canonically American, which is weird. But but in the fucking cartoon, he he was what? He was Boris Karloff? Boris Karloff was the narrator. I guess yeah. you didn't hear him. He doesn't city. talk. Yeah. I can already picture myself having- But he's always had that gruff, deep voice. You're going to have to review this I'm going to have to write some review about yeah. how like the Grinch is an expression of capitalism. Yes. And like- You're going to have to go see this movie I gotta like I got to see night. these fucking movies and I have to find a way to make them interesting for myself. Yeah. yeah. It's like amuse myself when I'm writing the review and inevitably it's going to be like how the Grinch exposes the Donald Trump era for- <laughs> what it is. There he is. Uh, they also, the guy, I'm forgetting his name, but the dude who directed all of the gorillas stuff had been hired to direct the movie, and it was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Okay, you're talking about the Illumination movie. Yeah. The Illumination yeah, Grinch? Right, yeah. And everyone was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then, like, four years of silence, and then the trailer comes out, and they're like, oh, yeah, we fired that guy three years ago. We didn't tell anybody. <laughs> uh, still Ron Howard's biggest movie. It's the Grinch. It's still, I think, Jim Carrey's biggest movie. Uh, are you sure it's not The Heart of the Sea? Uh, in The Heart of the Sea. Oh, you're right. That made $4 billion. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Number two. Common mistake. Number two. Grinch was number one like six weeks in a row. It's this crazy. is its fourth okay. week. Okay. okay. Number two is a new release. It's an action film. Uh, it's cold. It's a cold it's action a chilly film. movie. It's a cold. chilly movie. Not chill factor. Nope. 
It's a win- guess, though. It's a winter picture. Does it take place in a sort of Arctic zone? Correct. It's a movie that I saw. I don't remember it. Is it Vertical Limit? That's right. Ooh. Thank you. Vertical Limit. You want to hear something? Chris O'Donnell. Really embarrassing? Go ahead. Much like I still only know my multiplication tables through Schoolhouse Rock and playing those songs in my head. Uh-huh. Uh, the way I remember the difference between horizontal and vertical is vertical limit. Great. I go, oh, vertical's that way because that's the point of that movie. Uh, hold your breath. <laughs> that was, was the tagline. Tag My favorite thing about vertical limit is that Robin Tunney is billed above the title. Hell yeah. Weird. O'Donnell right. and Tunney? O'Donnell, Paxton, Tunney, Scott Glenn. Great first scene. All four above All the four. title? That good movie that movie is really only worth watching yeah. until the, the opening title comes. It's a good first scene. It's it's a great example of Martin Campbell only being good at making <laughs> masterpiece James Bond movies and everything else is bad. And the Mask of Zorro. And Mask yeah. of Zorro. Perfect. Did you right. see that tweet someone was like posting from old Premier Magazines an article about Chris O'Donnell being like the next big leading man and how like he was Leonardo DiCaprio was having to pick up his right. rejected roles yeah. and they were like this guy, sky's the limit with him. He's like a little Tom Cruise. It's like, what do you mean little Tom <laughs> little, Cruise? How little and is also, Chris O'Donnell? How tall Talk is Chris O'Donnell? Betting on the wrong horse. I, apparently he's negative five foot two. <laughs> All right. Number three is another action picture. Okay. Starring a big star of 2000. But, but only 2000? Well, Ben's like, trying to figure he this was one getting, out. He was hot. This was his this year. This is when he was starting to get big. And he was already like really big this year. And there was a lot of controversy around this movie. Around this one? Around something that happened on set. Something sexy. Something sexy happened on uh, set. Mm. This was his second movie that year. But this year was kind of his breakthrough year. Correct. Sexy criminal or sexy no. exciting? Sure. What was it an affair? Yes. It's not proof of life, is it? It is proof oh, of it life, is. my friend. Russell Crowe and Meg Ryan boning okay. down. They bone down. Dennis Quaid, all sad. I saw that movie in theaters so reluctantly. I just remember sitting there being like, it's Why? not great. Is it a Hackford? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, a, it's Hackford. a Hackford. Oh, boy. Number four. Has the anyone's box- name ever been more that? <laughs> Rude. Number four at the box office is your favorite movie, man. You love this fucking movie. Number it's probably four. You're like number one of 2000. Number four. It's like a, mm, I guess it's sort of a thriller. It's my favorite movie of 2000. Obviously not an Oscar play. No. Is it a family film? No. It's, it's like, an, a, like a a horror thriller. Oh, Unbreakable. Yeah. Unbreakable. Fingered. <laughs> Twisted. <laughs> Thank you. It was the kids. Stone. I grew up in England. <laughs> I just got to see producer Ben Hosley hit the twisted button in real time. He does it with a sort of. <laughs> it was very. It was. It was like he was filing like a TPS report. But I and I, you know, I can't hear it. It's not playing live in the studio. But I, there was like a little bit of fairy dust. Yeah, we're hearing nothing. But Ben just kind of sighs. <laughs> Drops his head. I put it together in my button. mind, and Boink. it was beautiful. So, uh, yeah, then there's all a bunch together. Grinch is 18, Vertical Limits 15, Proof of Life is 10, Unbreakable is 7.5. Like, it's all like. Okay. And the number five is a new release uh, based on a popular game that uh, one of those movies where you're like, oh. A Vidja game. No. A board game. 
Kind of. Zathura. No, <laughs> that's Zathura. That's... Dungeons and Dragons? Dungeons oh. and Dragons. That's right. Thora Birch. Marlon Wayans. Justin Whelan? Justin Whelan? Is that his name? Whelan? I think that's... The guy from Lois and Clark? Yeah. That wasn't a Jeremy Irons. joint, was no, it? No, it's not. No, 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 no. He was not even... Tickling the ivories at that Can point. You tell me the director of Dungeons and Dragons. Fuck. Did they direct anything else ever again? I think this was his debut. Uh, he did make at least a couple of movies afterwards. He Vincent made Gallo. An American Haunting and Getaway. Weird. Getaway, the the Ethan Hawke, yes. Selena Gomez movie. Correct. Uh, uh, fuck. Oh wait, I interviewed him. What? Uh, you? Yeah, because there's a shot in Getaway that is like intensely illegal, and I and like could have oh, murdered yeah. a lot of people, oh, and yeah. I was fascinated by it. The weird, uh, the the car chase. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. it's a POV like ninety miles. He does like a lot of like dashboard chase. cam stuff. In that yeah, movie, that movie's right? unwatchable, and then for one shot <laughs> at the very end of the movie, he it's just Eisenstein. Like, <laughs> I mean, I read, that. I read cinema. That. It's insane. Uh, I mean, it's it should never be only in. Wherever in Russia they were shooting this, would they be able to do this? So can you recall his name? No, God, no. I have no idea. I just remember speaking to him and he thought that he was just like taking things to the next level. I think I might have read that interview. And I I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, His name is Courtney Solomon. Yes. Uh, Anyway, so that's the top five. We've also got 102 Dalmatians. Yeah. Rugrats in Paris, the movie. 102 Dalmatians, probably one of my favorite Johann Griffith vehicles. (laughs) Well done. Uh, what, I I'm saw sorry. that in theaters. You said okay, 102 Dalmatians. What was the one? After? Regrets in Paris, the movie. Yeah, I mean, a great film. Saw that in theaters. One of the few sequels is better than the original. Okay, both compare, both pale in comparison to the Hanukkah episode. Just say true. Hanukkah episode is fucking amazing. Yeah, Rugrats um, doesn't get enough credit for how Jewy it was. Yeah, I know. Stu Pickles is a hot guy. Yeah, and it's like you got He's the Eastern hottie. European grandparents. Like, yeah, I know. I mean, Hey Arnold was playing, but that comes later. Yeah, but Rugrats is so fucking Jewy. Uh, it's me- so good. I know. Meet the parents. Uh, yeah, well, it's also Jewish because the villain of Rugrats is a wasp girl. Right. It's like a super wasp girl. Wait, meet the parents? Meet the parents. When you're fooling love, <laughs> there's no surprise. I just remember in the movie, I think he just sings it, but at the Oscars, it was him and, uh... Ben is just sick of every Susanna Hoff from the Bengals. Okay. Because she was married to Jay Roach. She did, like, the Oscars with him. That is like the craziest fucking thing. <laughs> How do you know that? <laughs> Even I'm like horrified that you know that. that Jay Roach, the, one of the Bengals is married direct- to Jay Roach. Hey, they're divorced now. Oh boy. I, I got Bengals. Could you milk me? Hey, <laughs> hey. When you're a Bengal in love. Uh, Bounce. Baby. Don Roos movie. <laughs> Wait, Let's it bounced, it's bounced so a movie ben about the, the Ben Affleck when it's Paltrow plane crash movie? Yes. yes. Ugh, Don Roos. It's a weird movie. Yeah. That was his blank check. Um, Men of Honor. Yeah, you know. Men of Honor. That's a movie that doesn't exist. <laughs> it is. I mean, that's Oy. Cuba Gooding Jr. from like 96 to 2005. His right. movies I remember seeing the trailer for that in like August and being like, Oscars <laughs> ahoy. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> De Niro. <laughs> Gooding Jr. Theron. I wish I could... Theron? It's Theron's a period really piece. The dropping yeah. him into the ocean. It's going to be huge. The first black scuba diver ever. <laughs> right. And the, the guy who was real racist. Yeah. Do you guys want to see the new poster for uh, Sherlock Gnomes? Yeah, I can't it's wait. A, it's going to be really It's a topical. Deadpool spoof. You want to see it? Yeah. It's like a perfect storm of things that make me want to retire and live in a cave. <laughs> Gnome pool. Kicking grass is a new phase. Um, what do you think? Is this is this does this accurately describe how you feel right now, Ben? It's not sad enough. <laughs> does Does Sherlock Gnomes have 
the most aggressive outdoor marketing campaign of any movie in history because they started putting like subway and bus ads up for that movie six months before it came out it's still not out those ads have been up since october um it's coming out though will it ever i don't know how about this for a character sherlock foams <laughs> he's got shaving cream all over his face oh can he also have the foam fingers Oh, absolutely. Wait and he has a foam pipe. Ben, oh, wait, this guy's coming in with a sack of money? What oh, the, like, I, yes. ben, <laughs> thank you so much. Ben, why would yeah. you waste that What? when I'm clearly running out of Dollar Shave Club ask mascot characters for the ad reads? Oh, shit. Don't worry. We'll bring him in. Okay. Well, now okay. we have... Yeah, yeah you probably that. heard him six months ago, guys. Yeah, get ready for Sherlock Holmes. Uh, that reminds me that ago. my uh, my secret hope for this episode, other oh. than that Ben would or someone would say twisted and Ben would hit the button and that I would see it happen and become a man, is that we would do an ad read. That we would do an ad read. Yeah, we 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 like it's so far in the future. Yeah. We don't Wait, have ads. What yet. do you mean, Ehrlich? We did an ad read. Yeah, we did oh. a great ad wink, read. Wink, Cut that out, Ben. Cut it out. Double it. Wink, wink. Because we definitely get specifically paid to do the ad read. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Stop talking. I'm gonna wink, actually wink, stop you. Wink, 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 money wink, is more wink, important wink, to me wink, than integrity. Wink, wink. David loves money. I do. Hashtag David loves money. Ehrlich, are you happy? Uh, yeah, you know this is a hard, a hard movie to make funny. You know, I think we we're like. Pretty uh, funny. I mean, you know, it's a gift. But um, also, this show is very intellectual. You have yes. to remember, it's not just about the laughs; it's also about the. Hmm. I just, I, I feel like I just kept being like, no, but let's talk about emotions. I know. Well, you're, everything you said about the movie was very smart. Yeah. I just feel it so deeply in the cockles of my heart. But that's Great. that's the the uh, the promise, the blank check guarantee, a chin stroke for every guffaw. Mm. You go, hmm, ha 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 ha, and hmm, I'm done. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't go. walk out. We got it. We're, 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 all right, we're done. Um, yeah, we're done. We we talked for two and a, two hours and ten minutes. Yeah, this is a nice normal length for an episode of Blank Check. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, what's the problem? I feel like the show's getting too long. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. You want to get right. it shorter? All right, all right. Before we wrap, let me just do some damage control here on okay. behalf of your audience again, just to bookend oh. this episode. The show's not getting too long. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> this episode, maybe, but not in general. And uh, we're going to need some more nicknames. More nicknames. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't care as a listener if you need like a plaque on the wall or like a cue card to read them off. Um, <laughs> I just, I need it. I need it just to, to recognize and reorient myself in this world. To find a center to to not just get lost in the the deep void of sadness that I feel after thirty years of studying on Wudan Mountain. Uh, ben, can you ask Audible if they can buy us a plaque? Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll I'll get right on that. Thank you all for listening. Uh-huh. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Uh-huh. Go to blankies.right.com for some real nerdy shit. Thanks to Andrew Gudo for our social media, Lay Montgomery for our theme song, Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. Ben is rubbing his temples vigorously. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, burger, is it Burger Report this episode? No? Uh, I don't think so. I, mean, I can check. You want me to check? Uh, maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. Stay through the credits to find out. <laughs> I don't know. It uh, looks like there isn't. At least so not. enjoy not listening to a Burger Report. Sure. <laughs> ben is. Here he is. Uh. <laughs> Another episode in the books. Great job, the guys. The Burger Report at the end of the Terms of Endearment episode. The Terrence Malick was one? Was a hell of a twist. Woo! That was hot stuff. Yeah. We didn't get info on whether or not he was wearing the hat, though, did we? <laughs> uh, I want to know about that hat. Got to know about that, that goes hat. on the Terrence Malick action figure for sure. Got to know about that hat. Got to, give me that hat. <laughs> give me that hat.
<laughs> See, Ben likes this. <laughs> that makes me laugh. <laughs> All right. Okay, Ben, stop laughing, though. I'm trying to end the podcast. Oh, I thought we were done. No, no, because, and as always, when you're <laughs> fooling love. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>